Hello, all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. Uh, but I, I, t- I, t- I tell you what, Austin. I, I am uh, what, what I, what I am familiar with is uh, the concept of rambling meaningless diatribes that is meant to make you feel things despite not understanding a single word of what's being said uh because i live in the year of our lord 2023 in our current political climate we live in a society baby that's bottom text bottom motherfucking text that's what i'm saying yeah so that was an interesting way to segue that we're back in the warrior arc as oh uh, god yes 1990 is we are we returning to and we are on the road to wrestlemania 6 in the sky dome in toronto the sky dome why the fuck is it is it in the sky are we are we up elevated into the mountains no i think it's just a dome oh it's well it's probably named for no no sky sports i'm pretty sure that's that's the uk yeah not- yeah wait wait don't isn't this shit normally named for like sponsors did just all of did the sky sponsor this dome did, this, did, is bef- did Toronto- this is before this is before corporate america ruined arena names by uh, d- nothing but sponsors wait this there was when, a time when- there there was a time before that obviously please ignore the pontiac silver dome from wrestlemania 3 or like what about like wrigley field that shit's been around for like a gazillion years That's that doesn't even that doesn't even feel like a spot it feels like a feels like a goddamn institution is wrigley field <laughs> that doesn't sound like a sponsorship name fuck you <laughs> that don't count brother yeah, the Sky Dome in I I, I was kind of curious why it was called the Sky Dome. Yeah, really... legitimately, I was being I was being a shithead about it, but I do legitimately want to know why. Let's see. Oh, because they they put out a name the stadium contest in the newspaper, and they what? voted for the choices were Tower Dome, Harbor Dome, Sky Dome, and the Dome. Wait, that's actually awesome. Oh, were the four winning name? I I see. I see they. I I I see they. They were smart enough to do uh, pre-picked names, uh, and not and not let people come up with their own. And and, oh uh, no, people did. What they did is they had people send in entries, and then the selection committee narrowed it down Uh, to four names. I want to know. I want to know. Whenever there's a contest like that, I want to know what the selection committee uh sifted through because i will never forget the fucking name the new mountain dew flavor competition back when i was in like late elementary school early middle school and the uh prevailing meme that came out of that one um Mm -hmm. so that is forever like ruined the concept of that kind of competition in my brain so i'm like someone's just gonna submit something unhinged and dark and if it gets public airplay it's gonna get way too popular because everybody in this world is irony poisoned to shit and then the raw and then the owner of the of the Toronto Blue Jays Rogers Communications bought the venue and they renamed it to the Rogers Center. Yes, yes, 
Yes, corporate America, Canada, whatever, wins again. Yeah. Okay. Fuck the, fuck the sky. That's that's what my homies are always saying. I hate the sky. Fuck that shit. What has blue? the sky ever done for me? Blue? What an ugly color. Get be more original. Well, I want my sky bright pink. Thank you very much. Yeah. That was a okay. physical reference for you, Austin. Well, that, you that was a fun that. little dive into the history of the Sky Dome. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoy these little diversions. Yeah. So WrestleMania six. We've we've we last time we were here, we watched the Royal Rumble nineteen ninety, which was like before the Royal Rumble was actually important. Now it was just like a cool wrestle. It was a unique pay-per-view main event match. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, why are we here? I don't know. Don't you like watching a bunch of dudes beat each other up? Well, now you got 30 of them. Have fun, kiddo. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Yeah, so the I we were neither of us were very high on the show. A bit of a yeah, one match exactly. show. Yeah. It was it, uh, was, it wasn't ideal. Uh, the Bushwhackers defeated the fabulous Rujos. Yeah, in a, that, it was. In it what was, passes for comedy wrestling in 1990? I I I still struggle to understand anything that happened to that goddamn match. It was so like weirdly convoluted, and uh, anyway, uh, the the genius Lanny Poffo and Brutus Beefcake fought to a double. DQ because uh the uh, is because the barber knocked the ref and the G and Mr. Perfect came out to interfere when the barber tried to start cutting the genius's hair uh non-consensually. Oh yeah. Oh oh hey, hey, they're doing the whole use the run-in to, to further the true rivalry bit. Hey. Yeah. Nemo taught me that one. Uh Ronnie Garvin won a special submission match against Greg the Hammer Valentine with the Hammer Jammer, also known as the Sharpshooter. Uh, Uh, And in the in what was the best match on the show that only I watched. So great, yeah. A a absolutely horrendous version of the Brother Love Show happened where. Uh, Brother Love and and Queen Sherry brought out uh, Sapphire to call her fat and ugly and dumb. And then when she tried to slap Sherry for it, Randy Savage ran out to hit Sapphire, which brought out Dusty to attack Savage. Yes. that that See, the funny thing is, overall, Dusty Rhodes versus Randy Savage is a rivalry that, in theory, I could get behind. Uh, like, mm-hmm. it seems like a fun matchup, uh, but it also seems like it's surrounding in some really stupid bullshit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And then... Uh, it's not the dream. The, and then uh, the boss man got... Big boss man fought Jim Duggan, and the big boss man got disqualified when the, when Slick threw boss man his nightstick and the ref caught him using it. Like a I just want to say... I just want to say, big bo- big boss man who who in theory exists, who who everybody seems to to know and talk about. Except I've seen him maybe pop up all of once in the entire time we've done this podcast so far. So big boss man to me is one of those like, uh, yeah, 
he he totally is real but i i have no i have no fra- i'm starting to get a little suspicious austin that maybe the entire world is set out to gaslight me about <laughs> the 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 big boss man true for all i know he was just some motherfucking jobber that popped up on that one time we saw him and that was it and then they they just set to like trying to convince everybody that uh who wasn't in on the joke that no he was a, a fucking legend of the company I have it's, yet to see proof, Austin. It's it's tough because like a lot of his most famous stories, I don't want to cover that badly. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Well, I'll give a bit of a rundown like a- of a few of them. Uh, obviously, you know his 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 his, uh, his his prime WWF run. Um, the in I mean Golden Age is what I mean by that is uh you know he he, he was a tag team with. Akeem, the African Dream, under Reverend Slick, oh, as talked about this as the Twin Towers, a tag team name that will never be used again. Oh, after oh, oh no, no, oh, oh no, no. But anyway, you know they then his kind of most famous single storyline in the 90s era in the early 90s era was when he had an absolutely abysmal feud with nails whose gimmick was that he was an escaped convict who the boss man uh abused in prison as his prison guard uh boss man was the face here wasn't he Yes, and in fact, of course the was. boss man also doesn't like directly address those accusations. <laughs> He's just like, if you'd seen this man's files, I'd tell you he deserves to be in prison look, for look, life. Look, big boss man knows that as long as he keeps his trap shut about it, his fucking crooked ass superiors will keep everything clean for him, all right? Mm-hmm. He don't gotta say nothing. Just keep his profile low and it'll all blow over. It'll get it'll get lost in the bureaucracy. Of Listen, he he the big boss man was put on administrative leave, and in that time he discovered <laughs> oh, well, that's wrestling. why he became a wrestler. Yeah. Oh shit! It's all coming together. Nails is the I now need a gritty reboot of the big boss man that dives deep into this. Uh, oh, as much as it's fun to that would be fun to talk about the story of nails quite frankly uh <laughs> I, sincerely his out of the shit of his time in the wwf is insane is is amazing but we will instead move on to the big boss man's contributions to the attitude era when he comes back he goes hop on over to wcw for a bit as big bubba where he does the exact same gimmick but, why the fuck is there a cop named Big Bubba? That that takes away from like the entire fi- like that makes him feel like he's a missing Dudley boy. Why is he Big Bubba? Because they wanted a name. They they're but his time in WCW is entirely uninteresting. I think the most interesting factoid is that if you ask is he is the answer to the trivia question who did hulk hogan face in the main event of the first episode of nitro the answer is big bubba oh my fucking god no way yeah the main event of the first nitro is hulk hogan defending the wcw title against big bubba hogan wins of course and then lex luger comes out and challenges him for a match 
I just I just googled image Big Boss Man WCW and I see uh I see one of Big Boss Man in riot gear which makes me existentially sad. Yeah, and um, welcome to the Attitude Era look. Yeah, I figured that was the Attitude Man. Era look and I also saw that he joined the NWO because of course he did. Who the Everyone fuck did. <laughs> yes. It is in a move that surprised nobody. Somebody working for WCW joined the NWO at some point. Yeah, so the big boss man was a you know, regular, like, heavy stooge in the Attitude Era, usually for the corporation, probably most famously. But he would find time, he would find plenty of controversial moments in the history of wrestling uh in one of the undertaker's worst wrestlemania matches he fought the undertaker in hell in a cell at wrestlemania 15 and the match ends when after the match the undertaker who at this point is, has the ministry of darkness with him uh. he he takes a noose and hangs the boss man live on pay-per-view you know you know, that's probably in poor taste. But also from everything I know about the big boss man, I I would not terribly hate to see that image. I you know, I wouldn't wouldn't be the worst thing I ever saw. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't make me upset, you know. Well, that's a little mean to say about a dead person. Oh, this <clears throat> is true. This is true. Uh well, fuck. Now I'm an asshole, but, but, but indeed. But also, anyway, back to other hey, bad, me. big boss man stories is, yes. or at least infamous ones. Uh, the one where he feuded with Al Snow that involved him, uh, killing Al Snow's dog and then cooking it and feeding it to Al Snow. Ah, yes. The Cartman treatment. <laughs> he did Cartman him. <laughs> And then be like, I made you eat your dog. Yeah, he like licks up his tears. It was all because Al Snow tricked the big boss man into buying his pubes. Yep, that's that. Yep, all very true. And then, of course, the big boss man's feud with the big show. Most famous, the most infamous moment of which is when the big show's father died. And then at the funeral, oh, the big boss man comes out, shows, crashes the funeral, says he's going to fuck the big show's mom. And then he runs off and he tows away the bo big, bo big, big show's father's casket. <laughs> Wow. Wow. My man just it, hit after hit, dub after dub in this man's career. I can see I can see why he's such a revered legend of the industry. Yeah, so anyway, the again, the big boss man loses by DQ to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Whoppity Based. whoppity whop. Uh then in the Royal Rumble match, a lot of fun times were had. Uh, specifically for this arc, the most important thing is that the Ultimate Warrior and Hogan were in the ring together, 1v1, and the place went electric. Yes. Oh, my God. These people were going nuts for this shit. And, like, understandable, for as much as the talk on the dirt sheet was that Ultimate Warrior couldn't wrestle for shit and, you know, Hogan was Hogan, all of which was true, you know, 
if you were invested in the product, these were the two biggest and most exciting of boys. Seeing the two of them placed together in the ring admittedly would be an insane Mm -hmm. deal back in that time. And then Hogan, when Ultimate Warrior was on the ropes uh, by by Rick Rude and Rick Martell, Hogan came over to bump into those two men and it knocked Warrior off the apron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I I I really wish I feel like we could have gotten an even more compelling story out of Warrior being the one to win that rumble. But you know, that's not gonna work for Hogan, dude. So he's just gonna he, they're just gonna get their moment, then Ho- Warrior's gonna fuck off. Yeah, and of course Hulk Hogan won the Royal. Hulk rumble. Hogan. WWE champion who just needed to win this exhibition match because reasons. I they could have gotten so much heat off of Warrior beating Hogan in the Rumble. Why did they, it's so okay? Whatever. <clears throat> Annoying. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Um, Old timey booking decisions continue to uh, to upset me. So in the in between, uh, we we are skipping ahead tonight to an episode of WWF Superstars. Uh, This arc will be featuring two episodes of WWF Superstars, which is kind of the A show for WWE in terms of like major plot progression happening, and one episode of Primetime Wrestling, just for a bit of a new variety. At this point in time, Primetime Wrestling had. Primetime Wrestling has always kind of been a recap the beats from other shows show. And also, like, talk a lot about house shows show. They do. They they really yeah. pitch those house shows. Oh uh, but, it's, but it's a way to kind of break up the monotony of just watching superstar episodes of superstars. Yeah. You know what? We've watched Primetime Wrestling in the past. And, like, for as much as, like, I recall them being not great i do appreciate the like switch up in format keeps things mm-hmm. fresh, no? yeah so tonight we're gonna watch the february 3rd 1990 episode Ooh. of of wwf superstars and oh yeah since then we have had not only an episode of primetime wrestling but also an episode of saturday night's main event Oh shit! The, the it has C been a long did. time since we've ha- talked about or or talked about or explained S S N M E as the kids call it. Uh, uh, so, yeah, I I know so many kids and they all call it that. True. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah. I'll go ahead and uh, I'll go ahead and explain. Is basically. In the mid to late 80s and 90s, the WWF, the WWE, Vince McMahon had a really great relationship with NBC, specifically Dick Ebersol, who ran NBC. And so during weeks where Saturday Night Live was on hiatus, Dick Ebersol gave that time slot to Vince and the WWF. And they ran a show at 11 p.m. on Saturday nights. I mean, to be fair, that is a prime spot considering who they're covering for. Yeah. And so those shows were kind of in many ways kind of mini pay-per-views, or at least in the beginning, 
for sure. Uh, you know, they were kind of like, this is where big matches and big stars will wrestle. Yeah, this is the where uh, the big stars are actually allowed to meet up and not. No jobber squashes here, fellas. Oh my god, fucking pri- prime time especially is egregious on the jobber squash thing. I mean, they all are. All of their rest WWF superstars, the wrestling challenge, WWF wrestling challenge, which was the B show, prime time wrestling. They all were nothing but jobber squash matches every yeah. week. Yeah, you, if you got if you were lucky, you would get like one in the main event that was like mm-hmm. a bit more high profile. Which I, I again that that was the style of the times. And if I was a wrestling fan in the night in nineteen ninety, I wouldn't think that was weird. Every, that's what yeah. everybody did, not that's just WWF. In the other yeah, that was like... wrestling was also like that. Well, because that was still television wrestling in its infancy. Yeah, like, if you look at if you still... look at where the money was coming from, they weren't wrestling companies weren't getting big TV money like you see today. Their mm-hmm. big money came from live gates. So they did what was financially made the most sense. Big matches are happen on live shows. The TV yeah. shows exist as advertisements to get you to want to come to a live show. The the team up of the Mega Powers the first time happened on on Saturday Night's main event, right? Yeah. So yes. like okay. stuff so definitely happened. So in comparison, stuff happens on Saturday Night's main event. Yes. Things are things are advanced, and that was legitimately a like big great moment. Yeah. So by 1990, I mean just like everything, the W the the WWF is not at its hottest at this. It is still at a hot like. What really kills them is the desert storm bullshit and then the steroid yes. trial. Like yes. that's what really kills the peak. That's what plunges but, them into the hellish depths of the new generation. But 1990, it, like it's in the peak era, but not like we're on the downslope. We are, yeah, we are like we we've just come over the crest and the this the descent is like we're on the precipice of it. Yeah, so this was a the, this is actually the twenty fifth Saturday Night's main event, even though they do not, in fact, make a note of that. Oh shit, that's more Saturday Night's main events than I thought there would be. Now there is actually uh, the uh, there are I gotta I gotta break because they brought back S uh, Saturday Night's main events like in the early two thousands. So I gotta try to break that. There were thirty one Saturday Night's main events in the original run of the show from nineteen. 19- what was that 85 1985 to 1992 and then they ran and then in 2006 they tried to bring back the gimmick and they did run five of those shows from 2006 to 2008 well yeah and then they did just main event which was not there's also the main event which airs on friday night in prime time that which is, is lame and i feel like they should have made an extension of that brand because i i just think it's cute but you know whatever yeah, so the 25th Saturday night's main event. I admittedly should have taken better notes on these results. Uh, but I remember the, the the I remember the important thing that happened coming out of this show. Um Randy Savage uh with some chica- cheating chicanery defeated mm. Jim Duggan, which was a pretty significant moment because it was there was a big rematch from when uh Savage won the won the crown to become king from jim duggan and so this was a revenge match uh situation Mm -hmm. uh but uh sherry had a loaded purse 
and that Pat that she passed off to Savage, and Savage used it to beat Duggan in nine minutes, 14 seconds, the longest match on the show. It's pretty oh, long for TV wrestling is, for WWF TV wrestling in 1990. In 1990, yeah, man, that's that's how you know it's a big fucking deal, and it still ends with some sh- with cheating, cheating me, so cheaters, bullshit. bullshit. Because uh, of course it does. And then in the big main event match of the show that was second, because again they they book these shows with an understanding that like they're starting at 11 p.m. on mm-hmm. a Saturday night. We kind of need to open hot and not don't we don't end with the best match on the show but the big marquee match was hulk hogan and the ultimate warrior versus mr perfect and the genius oh oh shit that's an interesting wait why the fuck are perfect and genius going up against hogan and because perfect is still beefing with hogan perfect is beefing with hogan we saw in the rumble yep 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 yep. yeah yeah so and a bit of a clever trick here because as you might guess these 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 shows were taped several weeks in advance so this Mm -hmm. show was taped on january 3rd it aired on january 27th well before the rumble and yet they managed to work in the the storyline Hogan and Warrior, despite the fact that on TV none of this had started yet. I will say that it, it probably I don't know how intentional this was. That would explain like why they had the thing with fucking um uh genius and uh, uh Brutus Beefcake, right? Um, yeah, that would actually make sense because you know Hogan Hogan's bestest buddy Brutus Beefcake. Yeah. Well, because like, but but like the 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 chicanery with that really happened at the Rumble. So like, mm-hmm. on top of them wanting to push Warrior to the moon alongside Hogan, like it wouldn't fully make sense for them to plop Bruce Beefcake into that matchup pre for something that that like was taped pre Rumble. Yes, yes. Uh, but the match, the story going in is this is like jesse ventura alongside uh you know being the heel commentator on this show Mm. he he commentates with vince on s on saturday night's main events um he and perfect and genius are selling the idea of like hogan and warrior aren't a real tag team they don't they don't they can't be they they don't know each other like perfect and the genius oh no they're not asking they're don't tell me they're asking don't don't they no, co- no, exist. You stop it. No, ah! <laughs> admittedly, they actually do coexist just fine in the match. Oh, um, well, and that's in fact, refreshing. They the match kind of falls apart for the heels because at a certain point, Lanny Poffo says, Fuck this, I'm gonna go write more poetry instead <laughs> of getting my ass kicked. <laughs> Why is that me as a wrestler? But so Hogan and Warrior win. But after the match, the heels try to beat down on Hogan, and Warrior runs in for the save, and he's going crazy. He's clotheslining everybody. He's mm. barely looking at where he's going. And when Hogan gets up, Warrior accidentally clotheslines Hogan too. Man, so chaos. much heat is built off of like accidental mal junction malfunction. They're trying to build this animo build animosity without either man doing anything morally dubious. Yeah, well that's the but but then they both come across like, like petty assholes because they can't just sit down and be like, hey uh, why'd you close on me like that brother? What we got oh, here so sometimes when a man is in the darkest depths of the night 
he cannot see that which lay before him in all its glory, and he tramples on it. Speak to me, my warrior. Like, you'd think they could have somewhat of a sensible conversation about what this. we like, got here is a failure to communicate. <laughs> True. But that was the big story beat coming out of this ep- episode of Saturday Night's main event is that uh, guh, guh, the warrior uh, guh, guh. accidentally attacked Hogan. And of course, the heels are like, see, see, he did it intentionally. Guh, guh. Yeah, fuck that. And then we had Jake Roberts versus Greg the Hammer Valentine. Oh. In a five-minute match that ends in DQ, as I've, I mentioned this last time, but since then, uh, Jake has stolen the million-dollar title from Ted DiBiase. And not just that, he is also keeping it in the bag with Damien. And so, and in <laughs> fact, he even on this show, he opens the bag and pulls out Damien, and he has Damien is coiled around the million-dollar championship. That's... That's actually really sick. I can't lie. Yeah. That's sick as fuck. That actually so, is awesome. This match ends in a DQ because Virgil and DiBiase interfere to try to get the belt back. Uh, it oh doesn't work because Virgil is too afraid to stick his hand in the bag and get <laughs> the belt. Oh my god. What 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 good is is uh is Ted DiBiase's manservant if he if he's afraid of a will snake, huh? Huh? Get better help. Yeah. Then uh, in uh, Dusty Rhodes versus Rick Rude end in a double count out uh, in what is, in my book, a completely ridiculous bullshittery happening in this match, quite frankly, as Sapphire and Heen get into it on the, at ringside. Mm-hmm. The ref ejects them both. And then later in the match, Sapphire comes back in the front row holding a ticket so she can't get kicked out again oh my god that's so don callis should have been taking notes true i was gonna say in terms of heel tactics it's so stupid it shoots the moon back to being brilliant except sapphire's a baby face oh wait because she's with dusty oh she's with dusty fuck i got her mixed up with sherry shit uh oh then that's then that's uh, as face tactics <laughs> noted so, babyface sapphire refusing to accept the referee's call that you are disqualified from yeah, the match. She, she is a she is now a paying customer and, and 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 any good business would know you do not mess with your paying customers sir sure i want to know who gave her the ticket because i'm pretty sure this show would not have front row seats available for purchase Ooh, ooh. Was there somebody on the inside? Did Sapphire? Yeah, who who does Sapphire have as an inside man? We need to know. True. Anyway, Rick Rude decides to harass her at ringside, and this and this takes Dusty, and they start brawling to the outside. They just kind of keep punching each other until they both get counted out. Very classic '80s wrestling trope of the double count out because they're just brawling on the outside. So much bullshit. And then in our main event, in the shortest match of the evening, because again, front load the show, Dino yeah. Bravo beat Ronnie Garvin. Okay, that's, wow, that sure sounds important. Absolutely nothing happened there. Yeah. 
been in the prime in prime time wrestling you know you'd think a lot of the show is there to kind of talk about stuff that happened at the royal rumble because this the Jan this episode of prime time aired on january 29th 1990 so the first show since the weekly tv show since the royal rumble Ooh. and so first of all and so the 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 hyped up matt the hyped up main event is a replay of the hogan warrior tag match from saturday night's main event why not uh it's fine i didn't watch that for reasons i'll get to i'll explain when we get to it uh but the first match of the show apparently debuting recently in this company is tugboat wins a mat wins a squash match oh that guy interesting yeah so tugboat is is in the future the other half of the natural disasters typhoon okay uh, but he comes into the company as tugboat and he looks like popeye the sailor man a little bit except in like red and white candy stripes yeah we can't get too close to that copyright you know but they call it out in fact they they monsoon and bobby heenan are like yeah he looks a lot like a guy in a cartoon ah ah yes for legal reasons we can't say which one but it sure looks like a guy and yeah, a they cartoon want you to, they want you to get popeye vibes from this guy and he's like yes. toot toot tugboat toot toot he talked there's he has, there's he has, also a, a special irony in them going for like nearly identical but legally distinct shit here and then suing the pants off the nwo for like remotely implying that scott hall was still razor ramon Mm -hmm. so tugboat has a whole cuts a whole promo about how you know how the smallest tugboat can pull such large vessels imagine what a tugboat my size because he's like the size uh, of earth, like, i was like gonna 400. say he's like 400 yeah. pounds he's the size i was gonna say earth. this motherfucker isn't calling himself small is he no he's saying you, you see how small real tugboats yes, are imagine comparison. what i a tugboat my size can do to all the boats the mighty boats in the wwf i i guarantee analogy. you vince like came up with that analogy and thought it was the single most brilliant thought that any human ever had and so he and that's where the gimmick came from he's like he's like i need to push this analogy onto tv who's this new guy coming in yeah that'll work yeah so tuggity tugboat uh is he wins his match uh and the monsoon brings up hey heenan maybe you should get a guy like tugboat for your you should be could be a, become his manager and heenan's like nice nah, too nice tugboat is too nice of a guy to join my stable <laughs> hey, at least he's honest about it you know he knows he's a bastard and he'll lean into it I respect yeah they they discuss they talk about how i have the results here i'm just gonna read now they they talk about the wrestlemania 6 being in toronto heenan uh makes a joke about he makes a he makes an exchange rate joke because he bobby he bobby uh monsoon is kind of like well, I wonder how many fans we can stick in there. You know, 80,000, 90,000. And Heenan goes, well, you, well, you know, it'll be more like 60,000 if you count it Canadian. Oh, my God. That's actually kind of funny. God damn yeah. it. The Powers of Pain want a squash match. Whoopity do. Uh, the Rockers <laughs> do a split screen po promo because they're still beefing with the Powers of Pain. Whoopity do. Uh, yeah, whoopity do. Uh, really funny bit. 
uh, in between matches here as Gorilla Monsoon, as they're throwing to commercial break, is like tells the people at home, he's like, "Hey, if you're if you're if you're if you need to go get a sandwich, now's the time." And we cut back from commercial, and Bobby Heenan has went and gotten a sandwich. <laughs> Girl is like, I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) I love them. I love the two of them together so much. Oh Mm -hmm. my god, it's so adorable. And and he's and he's and he and he and Monty's like, you. I'm ninety percent of the time. I'm talking to the people out there. I'm not talking to you. And he and goes, (laughs) it's like, well, I guess the good thing you didn't tell everyone to go jump off a bridge (laughs) while you're going to break. Thank thank you. Heenan, what? He was implying that Heenan would have went and jumped off a bridge if that's what Monsoon had said to go into break. <laughs> okay. All right, and then uh, they replay the Ronnie Garvandino Bravo match, except I didn't watch it because these this is from a U, uh, YouTube rip of these episodes, and uh. they actually cut out some stuff. I don't know oh. if it's... I don't know if it's a quality control issue or if they just cut out things that are blatant, you know, uh, re-airs of other shows, matches. I don't actually know. But they cut this Ronnie Garvin, Dino Bravo replay. So I actually missed this. I didn't actually rewatch the match. They just cut straight from, like, them throwing to the match to them, thro- to them Heenan and Monsoon being back in the studio. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, uh, Jake Rob. We see another Jake Roberts squash, uh, and it and and you know it has another attempt by DiBiase and Virgil to get the belt back, and it also still does not work. Yes. Um, uh, th- there will actually be a payoff to all this on this episode. I skimmed, I skimmed oh, through this- superstars, so I would make sure this is the one I wanted. And there is actually going to be a payoff to this stuff with the belt. Oh, oh, oh my. The most riveting storyline in all of wrestling. I'm very excited. Uh, Heenan and Monsoon have a funny bit where basically Monsoon, because he's a babyface, largely justifies the theft of the belt. And Heenan is like, is, and Heenan is like, is, is like, uh, you know, it's a good thing that criminals don't have you as an attorney. You know they they'd be they'd be all free walking the streets and he and he's like convenience stores better be careful a gorilla monsoon his family they're all thieves you're gonna be out for blood better be Wait, careful he just went from he just went from the lawyer of the thieves to the thief himself pick pick an analogy Heaton. Jesus yeah. it's great uh Sean Mooney gets a lot of cut in so just kind of do some like he does the event center promos aka the house show advertisements ah. uh, i don't remember a lot of them but i do remember bad news brown talking about how tough he had to grow up because he grew up with five sisters and 14 brothers and i don't know if that's accurate or not but it's to get yeah, okay i think i i think i think he might have been borrowing from uh from Stu hart's family tree there actually yeah, the the whole the point of the promo is of how is how that his mama taught him that he has to fight for what he want what he wants because he had to when he was growing up he had to fight to not go hungry with all them siblings. Oh boy. Uh well, I'm very sorry for you and I'm sure that gives you a real reason to be an asshole in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh Rick yeah, we see a Rick Martel uh squash match um 
Keenan after the match claims that Rick Martel has was given a very lucrative offer to model in France, but he turned it down because he wanted to stay in the WWF. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. If I had a choice between those two. Uh, the Rockers put on a squashity squash match, and then we get an earthquake match, and then uh, they replay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I forgot about this part. So after the earthquake match, um, Heenan points out there's a little gorilla stuffed animal doll on gorilla's side of the desk because gorilla monsoon yeah and heenan just out of nowhere just goes hey where did you get that new sapphire doll oh no bobby god yeah yeah Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh boy they, they replay the brother love segment from the rumble great cool uh dusty Rhodes does does is a dusty road squash match uh more day. event center promos um i don't though so we got to hear a promo from the brooklyn brawler and the red rooster uh, where I learned that the Red Rooster calls his fans, all three of them, the Rooster <laughs> Boosters. Damn, damn. I was really hoping there'd be a cock joke in there. God damn it. No, it's just lame. It's just stupid. I wonder I wonder why nobody remembers who the fuck this guy is. Oh no, people remember who the fuck the Red Rooster is, but not positively. T- oh no, oh no. Uh, we got to see a Rhythm and Blues tag match. That is, as a reminder, Greg and a Hammer Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. Uh. And then uh, there was a Jake Roberts promo uh, where Ted DiBiase laid out the challenge to fight DiBiase on an upcoming episode of WWF Superstars. I believe this episode, as a matter of fact. Oh. And Jake Roberts accepts. Oh. Yes, it was. So that is what is the one thing advertised for this episode going into it is we're going to have Ted DiBiase versus Jake Roberts on Superstars. It's good to know that even in 1990, they were allergic to like fully announcing cards ahead of time. I mean, you don't need to hear how everyone is in action. This is uh, yeah, actually no, that's a fair. That's a fair point. There was it was more justified in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Brooklyn Brawler wins a jobber squash match. Whoopity wop wop whoop. Yeah, good, good for him. Uh, man, back back before the days where 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 he was on the winning end of jobber, or back in the days when he was on the winning end of jobber squash. Yeah, back Ooh. before they were like, you are the jobber now. You, you... <laughs> look at me, look at me. I am the jobber now. Yeah, the Brooklyn Brawler. Yes, uh, and then. After the and then we get a replay of the Met Saturday night main event tag match, except we don't because the person who did the YouTube rib of this cut that up, cut that match out. Uh, I'm fine with that, I don't need to see it again. Yeah, true. So that's kind of the rundown of what's happened in the most on these last, uh, not a yeah. pretty eventful for all th- considering like. We we are we, what is this Saturday night's main event and the episode of primetime? Pretty pretty eventful. pretty eventful. It does sound like, although I your boy the noob is still very bad at keeping track of who the fuck half these people are and what their deal is. So I'm just kind of like, yep, those are some guys, and they sure are being dudes. Um, hey, 
but uh, so we're gonna we're gonna check out more guys being dudes. Hey, yeah. So again, all right. That means tonight we are gonna watch the February third, nineteen ninety episode of WWF Superstars. Uh, you can watch along with us, not on Peacock. Peacock stops putting up episodes of Superstars, I believe, in late '89. There are there are lengthy swaths of time where WWE just does not have their weekly programming up. Maybe, maybe if we were still on the network, we could have gotten a bit more of these. Uh, But you know, on Peacock, it is what it is. Uh, There is a very lovely YouTube channel that, again, I don't wish to say out loud on this podcast because Mm. I don't want to necessarily encourage people to find these YouTube channels because then maybe what happens if YouTube copyright claims them. Uh, But there's a very lovely YouTube channel out there that's putting up a lot of the weekly shows in WWE and WCW in the mid in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, Not all so, heroes have capes. Some run YouTube channels. This is indeed. True. So they 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 will be very helpful in this arc full of shows that are not available legally at this Absolutely. point in time. Uh, but we will be back in the back half to discuss the first episode of Superstars post the Royal Rumble. Fuck yeah! And we are back. Uh, we have finished the February 3rd, 1990 episode of WWF Superstars. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I forgot the sheer level of filler that these fucking shows are. The stars are here and they do be super. The the star the stars are here and so are a bunch of jabroni-ass jobbers who you, who you don't even know the fucking names of. Fuck you. Y- yeah, so I'm... I have a lot of fun with these shows anyway. Yeah, but... no, there, there, there are things to say, and I, I can appreciate the like sheer lack of concentration that most of the runtime demands of me. Um, <laughs> but nah, you think I got dedicated match notes for anything? Oh, absolutely fuck. no! Not. It's all just a string of well, well, that match happened. Take a what? Take a wild guess who won it? Yeah. I, superstar with the name or random motherfucker who doesn't even get an intro what i make multiple jokes about not knowing the names of these guys until mid-match um damn you even caught the mid-match it's better than i did i did i think i got all of their names except i think the one the second one i don't think i got their name i i don't even know any of them i think maybe maybe i caught one ish but i'm not even sure if i had it right i'll ask you when we get there sure uh but this show uh we open with vince mcmahon welcoming us to the city of birmingham they do vince mcmahon does some light birmingham alabama tourism and like, <laughs> look at the beautiful skyline here and the, and the great bear bryant and the roman soldiers overlooking that overlooking the city yeah, that was uh I don't I don't know I don't know like what fucking tourist department paid him to, to do that shit, but he was he was giving that city some some gold yeah. for a hot We second. cut to Vince and Jesse blatantly green screened into Oh, this were they? I didn't catch that. There's no way they were there live. They did not look like they were in sync with the crowd screaming behind them. Oh really? 
Damn, I didn't I catch that. If they were in, it, it was either a really shitty shot or they were green screened in. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. But because this is the only time we see them in together in the show. So, you the know. The pre-tapedness of these episodes. The pre-tape, like when wrestling pre-tapes, it's always, always a little bizarre, I feel mm. like. Because there's always a certain level of like, this is not live, so we're going to edit shit, and it never feels natural. Like, just how Rampage invariably always has one match that just got cut a little bit for time, and they just randomly, without a remote semblance of a segue, just cut to commercial at a random moment, and then <laughs> oh, cut back. Oh, those and all are so they're... fucking, I hate that so bad. I know, but it happens fucking every rampage. There's always one match that happens with. It does. Uh, uh, but anyway, I didn't catch the first half of this quip, but I thought it was funny to bring up anyway. Is Re- Vince is salivating over the Roman architectural history of the Birmingham or whatever. And he's got something you know nothing about, Jesse. And Jesse's like, Romans? Vince goes, well, working. <laughs> oh, wait, was that the... Uh, was, was that the exchange? Cause I had, so Vince is talking about the Roman, uh, a uh, uh, Roman statue specifically okay. of, of, of the God Vulcan and Jesse goes, why would they have a statue of a vulture? No, no. And Vince goes, no Vulcan. What, what was that? Oh, good. There were more bits I missed. But yeah. if, if the end is the, the, the punchline, he says something, you know, thinking about Jesse Romans working and then jesse goes i used to work <laughs> the the quips between jesse and vince never make any god they feel sense. they feel more mean-spirited than any other commentary group together at this well, point they make, yeah yeah no because like gorilla and gorilla and heenan are like they're just good natured ribbing. Yeah, it feels it feels like ha it feels like we're supposed to be like ha ha goofy goofy joke in here. And yeah, then, but the like, problem is gorilla... there's no there's no pun with Vince and Jesse. Yeah, I meant with Heenan and Gorilla. I mean, oh yeah, is like yeah. And then Gorilla and and Jesse play together pretty straightforward overall. There's not really a jokiness to their to their dynamic. Yeah. Vince feels like he is like trying to insult Jesse Ventura on commentary. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, because there is never any joke. It's just Vince being an asshole to Jesse. Yeah, but and it's like because Jesse's the heel, waka waka. Right, but I and I will say a lot like Vince's later spots with like women. It feels it feel there is a certain level of grossness to watching Vince play this character this way with Jesse because like Vince is the boss of this person that yeah. he is that he is just shitting on on commentary. Well, you, well, you know, uh, ever since he brought that whole union idea to me, I just, I really never liked the guy. That, Holy I wouldn't fuck. What if that is something to do with it? I wouldn't. I, that was the thing. I had that thought partway through of like i wonder if vince is this this much of a dick to jesse partly because of the union thing like what could you be remotely surprised if vince was so incensed at the notion that jesse tried to get some labor organization going that he's like all right i'm just gonna get my licks in by abjectly shitting on you on commentary with no pun with no joke because that would have already happened by this point. Yeah. Like, yeah, the fuck it would have. 
So holy shit, you've cracked the case for me here. I uh, look, man. I just sometimes have my moments, my big brain moments on this show. I think this needs to get added to, the, to those echelons. I've discovered. I've I've ascended to a new level of understanding. Yeah. So the first match of the show is Dusty Rhodes versus uh, a Jobber. Uh, I wrote Lord Alfred Hayes and Tony Schiavone on commentary. Got to get through those Schiavone. Wait, that was Schiavone? Yeah, it was Lord Alfred oh, okay. and Tony Schiavone. For some and reason, I of... thought it was like Alfred and Vince. No. Nah. Uh, Tony is too busy talking about Dusty dancing for me to be able to hear Howard Finkel name the, the uh, Jobber. Uh, Sapphire shakes her ass at, at that the Jobber, is how I wrote it. And then Tony mentions his name, Tony Burton. And I'm like, hey, there's the name. All right. Dusty Rhodes versus Tony Burton. That is Burton. a name. That is that uh, is certainly a name. I don't think Tony Burton hit a move as uh, Dusty wins. No, Dusty just murders him. Yeah, Dusty hits his his moves and he hits the big elbow drop for the win, and that One, that's two, it. That's what dude. Going. I have to say, for as much as the whole like they put him in polka dots and made him dance thing like is a meme, um, I it sure doesn't change what a stone cold badass dusty Rhodes was in the ring it it, it kind of doesn't i feel like i feel like the polka dot dancing gimmick is like it's not necessarily that it's it kills dusty's character in and of itself because i think he did he actually does a pretty good job of overcoming that the goofiness of that still kind of no he like he makes it work like it makes yeah. him just feel like affable and likable yeah um, i think it's, and then, think and then it's, you watch him in ring and he kicks ass yeah i think it's a lot more about like the symbolism of what this means backstage that like yeah you got like this great the american dream dusty Rhodes, this amazing working man's baby face and we're like we're gonna put him in polka dots and make him a dancing buffoon yes <clears throat> simply simply because like vince is salty about the territories yeah like it like this is Vince is such an interesting character and in when he is willing to be like like in how he is willing to treat his enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes he is willing to take this stance of like I won. So like the fact that I you are working for me is already a dub for me. Uh that's yeah. been a for that's a lot the, of people a lot of people the, uh... hypothesize that's why like that's really why he never truly says he's always willing to bring people back because he sees it as kind of a victory that they had to come back to him that's yeah. why he that's why he never stopped giving jeff jarrett jobs as yeah. much as he clearly hates jeff jarrett is because that it's a win every time that jeff jarrett has to ask vince mcmahon has for a to job. Admit him. yeah like vince is just so mm -hmm. like vince has such a complex about like being needed uh mm -hmm. that but at the same time like you get especially when you look at these like his real competition like nwa guys and then wcw guys there's a real like i am gonna embarrass you because i'm in control yeah. now attitude to vince mcmahon he, he has always had and is one of the bigger complaints about him is how much money that vince probably has left on the table because he just absolutely refuses to respect or be dignified with with the big stars that he eventually scoops up. Yeah, the one of the wildest things about the fucking pipe bomb promo is is the line of he's a millionaire who could be who should be a billionaire, but he's a fucking moron or whatever. Like that is so a hundred billion percent true. Mm -hmm. Like Vince could be rolling in even more cash if he weren't such a 
spiteful, like emotionally baggaged up prick. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a lot worse for the WCW guys, I think, than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, even fucking Bischoff, like, <sighs> who got some of the most dignity out of out of that whole deal, mm-hmm. like, still got, still was brought on to be, like, the most maniacal prick in all of, like, WWE, like, on-screen middle management. I think at that point, Vince took a lot of pleasure in the fact that both of his competitors now worked for him. Like, Yeah, but, but the thing is, but the thing is, Heyman had a lot, got, like, did not have that problem. Like, Heyman got a and lot more. I, I think, I think people that, I think people that come willingly kind yes. of accept defeat are treated a lot differently. I think you well, see that's that what I'm saying. The, is like, I think you see that with the ECW guys, is that yeah. pretty much all those guys came over because, God damn it, we need to have we a need job. We need fucking here. money. Yeah. Um, and they are all treated well, most with it, except for Taz because he was short, and Vince hates short people. Um, <laughs> we're all we're all mo- and and Raven because he hates Raven as a person. Uh, <laughs> but the guys who Vince thought Vince, the guys who Vince most could have gotten something out of, he mostly treated with respect. Yeah, like because they came to him. Like even fucking like RVD got to like murderize cena at, at uh already would have been a multi-time stand. world champion if he didn't get busted for weed and vince yes. decided i can never trust you again and i can never tr- and then cut to how many years later i i fucking i remember like i think i sent you that video of like rvd like giving vince a like weed related gift at a thing i fucking can't mm. remember but i i remember seeing this video where like like all those years later, RVD and Vince were buddying up, and I think there was like weed-based humor involved mm. in that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, yeah, Dusty wins. He's he's not doing half bad with this gimmick, but it's all it's a sign of like it's a yeah how much how much how much you are respected backstage. Yeah, very much so. Uh, we were going to cut to J- Gorilla and Heenan, but this video rip skipped that entirely. Good, I, assumed right, right over. Re- I assumed it was just a repeat of something from Primetime Wrestling. That's why. Yeah, well, but we do then get a fucking uh, recap of the Royal Rumble match between Brutus Brief, Beefcake, Lanny Poffo, and the whole... Yeah, we sh- had to the, the haircutting. We throw to Mean Gene Okerlund in the studio. Yes. Uh, yeah, we get we get a recap of it, and it's there's there's literally nothing to add. It's it's just what we watched. There was nothing added to it. Uh, it's just here to 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 advertise the Royal Rumble VHS. Yeah, that, I that, did that, make that, a note that. of the Coliseum video hey this Thursday. Also, I made a note of Tony Schiavone really wants the genius to be bald, showing he's always been vengeful as fuck. Jesus Christ. You know, because Shivani was on commentary being like, ah, take some off the sides. Ah, forget it. Take it all. I missed that. Oh, my God. That's so dumb, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they perfect and beefcake cut promos against each other. It's nothing special, really. Though uh, beefcake is apparently all in the state because perfect attacked him and tried to take him out. He's going crazy. Apparently, he wasn't crazy before. Dude, fucking... Brutus, uh, Brutus is, is like wearing what I can only describe as a slutty Jack Skellington cosplay. Um, continue because he's got like a bow tie and like 
I don't I don't know how to properly describe them, but they look like those things like fucking 16-year-old emo chicks get it hot topic where with it's, it's the arm thing that it goes over like the arm and like the glove over the uh, over the hand but cuts off at the fingers. And it's all like Jack Skellington pinstriped and he's shirtless. So like that's just where my mind went. Um Yeah, I'm not surprised quite uh, and, and I, I I said I said that he was also trying to do uh, his best Ultimate Warrior impression, but like really the Ultimate Warrior style of promo was just the style du jour. That's of, just of what everyone era. does. That's just what everyone Warrior does. just Warrior just just distilled it down to its purest form. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get uh, their match number two: Rick the Model Martel versus a Jobber. Uh, Martel is right. I wrote Martel rightfully is still mad that Beefcake cut up Martel's streaker raincoat. Um, well, yeah, Beefcake's fucking running roughshod. I mean, again, this mother, this motherfucker, like, un- non-consensually gives people haircuts. Poor Lanny's, and got, it's like, all a fine, and it's all fine because it's all Cause, fine cause, because cause, Rick, Martel's Rick Martel's jacket is ugly. Yeah, so he's he's fine. a meanie butt, and his jacket is ugly. Me, 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 me. Yeah, Reno Riggins is the name of the jobber of this match. They Vince pointed out on commentary a few times. Oh, uh, well, cool. That's a name. Uh, Vince is is giving props to Rick Martel and is like, you know, he's got a real he's got a real panache in the ring. And Jesse's like, what what does that mean? What it, well, yeah, <laughs> Jesse doesn't understand what the fuck the word panache is. And Vince is like, never mind. Vince. Uh. Then we get this crazy shit here where they dub in Howard Finkel to run local event ads. Ad reads. Yeah, what, 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 well, specifically they, to like advertise a show that is apparently happening on the day, night, whatever this is being aired. Good bit there. Did they not know how to use a ticker? Have they not figured out that, figured that out yet? I, I don't. It's it's so wild how different the business was in 1990. They're just like, oh yeah, no, come on down right the fuck now to a live show. To be fair, this this show probably could have aired, this probably aired earlier in the day. I don't I know if this guess. was I don't know if this was their Saturday morning show or not. It might have been. But still, the fact that they're like advertising it like that, it's like, yeah. oh yeah, there's a show today. Come see it live. It's like ah. ah. And, and and the fact that like you wouldn't risk like everything being sold out as fuck like that, um, mm-hmm. it's it's just so bizarre. Yeah. So Rick Martel wins with a real nasty running backbreaker, and then he he goes to the camera and is like, "Beefcake, this is for you," and he puts him in a Boston crab for the win. Yeah, that was uh that was a short bit of another murder. That was a whole yeah. We just. Two two fucking murders in a row. These jobbers aren't getting like a single move off. No, they're not. Uh, we cut to Sean Mooney in the WWE Event Center, or we uh, would never mind. <laughs> I, except they cut the video we watched. This cut that part two. Straight yeah, da, 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 da. Jim Duggan versus Mike Davis. I uh, I can this- confirm what I thought I saw last time in the crowd. They are indeed just selling fucking foam two by fours to kids as much um i'm surprised they didn't just sell actual two by fours at that rate well, would that, have been even uh, cheaper I mean, that, that could be considered a child hazard to just sell planks of wood to children. just sell 
But it, it just cracks me up. Hey, kids, here's a fucking rectangle of foam with, like, a bit of, like, fake wood uh, decaling on the front. Have fun. Yep. Uh, so Davis, Mac Davis immediately powders out of the ring when Duggan gets in. Uh, Vince asked Jesse in one of the meaner things Vince has said about a baby face on commentary here is he asked Jesse if he thinks Jim Duggan is a throwback to an earlier age of man, like a Cro-Magnon. I mean, uh, as much Jim- as I want to, as much as I enjoy being mean to Jim Duggan, that sure is weird coming from Vince. Yeah, and then Jesse's like, I just think he's an uneducated idiot. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Jesse calls Hacksaw stupid. Vince counters this by asking, by by questioning Jesse's grammar in comparison to Hacksaw's. Yeah, he's trying to imply Jesse is stupid. uh, But specifically by interrogating his grammar and nothing else. Uh, Which, (laughs) where is the basis for that? To which Jesse counters, uh, to say that he is a national announcer listened to by millions of people, which automatically means he has good grammar. What mm. What are these exchanges? Why are these two on commentary? There is no chemistry here. Yeah. Jesse does also make a good point that Jim Duggan is also ugly. There, he sure is. He sure is an ugly motherfucker. Jesse's like, Jesse's like, every time that hacksaw comes out, I go, ooh, ew, yucky, yeah. <laughs> Every time, and you know what? And you know what? Base. <laughs> every Jesse time Jim, up every time every Jim time Jim Duggan goes to a movie theater, he has to he has to make sure that he has to apologize to the people sitting near him for his uncontrollable ugliness. <laughs> Jim Duggan with his fucking he fucking goes to a movie theater, whacks someone in the head with his two by four as he goes to sit down, turns to them and goes, "Oh, am I ugly?" He's, I'm ugly and I'm proud. I'm ugly and I'm proud. Oh! But ironically, I could see him actually saying that line is the best part. Now for the story of the ugly wrestler. The ugly two by four. There once was a two by four. Two by four. That was so ugly that everyone died. The end. And then Jim Duggan looks horrified at the storyteller for a second before going, Oh, oh! Anyway. Uh, they fight on the outside a little bit. Oh God, something exciting and new. Uh, Jim Duggan throws Mike Davis back in the ring. Blah blah blah. Punches. Then uh, he does a three point stance like in football, and then <laughs> runs at him to clothesline him, which doesn't Wait. feel like the most efficient use of your motion. Is that an uh, un- is that is that not like? his finisher i just assume no it is it is i just find that stupid uh (laughs) you know i can't question that anyway it's a clothesline for the dub and jesse ventura goes the light bear bryant would have liked that one (laughs) very i don't i don't bear bryant is the is the legendary football coach for the university of alabama before uh, the current coach Nick Saban won a million bazillion national titles, Bear Bryant was the winningest and most national titliest winningest coach in the history of Alabama football. Oh shit! Well, that's so, insane. Okay, I'm, I'm very, I, I'm so glad that I have my 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 CFB expert here to guide me through mm-hmm. these sports ball references. So we cut uh, to Sean Mooney. Except we do I, not. 
Except we do not. I, I really uh I, I really have to say, uh man, we got fucking three matches in roughly fifteen minutes. Tony Khan wishes he could stuff his cards like this. God damn. Yeah, we got um, we gotta get more matches. We gotta get more matches. She's not here, but more matches are um, yeah, no, this channel really fucking hates Sean Mooney in the control center. Fuck you, man. Anyway, fuck that guy. Uh, then we get Ted DiBiase is in the ring with Reverend Slick. This is interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, Ted, Howard... Ted has both of his uh, we're totally not racist caricatures, black sidekicks with him. Uh, Ted DiBiase is over here saying, I have black friends. This is true. The fact that he buys Sapphire is much worse than, than him buying what? him aligning with Slick for a moment. What? Yeah, that's where that storyline leads eventually. He buys what? Sapphire. What? No. Add on. He gets a second black person that he kind of owns. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Bad touch. Anyway, uh, as <laughs> Howard Finkel calls him, the so-called million-dollar champion. Owned, yeah, or the, the self-titled, I think, or something yeah. like that. Owned. Uh, owned. We get the one match between two stars here. Ted DiBiase versus Jake Roberts. Yeah, which starts off okay until like two minutes in. Jake the dumbass just gets himself locked into yeah, this the rope. Is insane. So DB, he does a shoulder block to DiBiase, backs into the ropes, and somehow gets trapped. Somehow gets tangled in the ropes by like gently backing it. <laughs> what? So what? How the, do you do that? So while Jake is trapped, DiBiase is punching Jake and he's yelling at Virgil to go get the goddamn bag. And Virgil's like, no, man, I'm not doing it. I'm scared. Oh, is that of what it was? I thought, see, I thought, I thought he was yelling at Virgil to just like do shenanigans on, on Rob. On no, Jake he Roberts was, from the he other was side. asking while Jake was incapacitated to go okay. get the belt. Okay. And Virgil's it, it, like, no way. Yeah. Apparently, apparently Virgil is like scared of snakes, uh, in, in, uh, in kayfabe. Mm. So, uh, but then again, Ted probably is too. That. Yeah, so I mean, it's a Dibiase and Jake have a decent back and forth in this match here. Like, yeah, no, it's not bad. Um, it's it's also, it is like, a, it is a sight for sore eyes after three jobber squash matches at fifty. Yeah, years. no, I mean those jobber squash were nice, quick, and efficient. I didn't ha I didn't even have time to lose interest because the interest never built in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. But like, uh, also like, uh, something I uh, caught on commentary. I wasn't sure if this is for shoot or not. Jake suffered a severed vertebrae. That's probably legit. That's probably okay. a legitimate injury. Just that I I don't Fuck. remember them ever working that as an angle. So I'm just gonna assume it's legit. Fuck, that sounds horrifying. Yeah. Um Also, man, the I the uh, a phrase they used on commentary during this match, which is a phrase I hear very commonly in wrestling, uh, talking about how there is. No love lost between uh, between Jake the Snake and Ted DiBiase. I I think no love lost is perhaps my favorite wrestling trope line because like it's no such love, a no random... love no love lost the future the 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 sequel to Love Never Dies and I think we really need <laughs> <out of the world. laughs> no anyway, uh, continue yeah uh, uh, 
no, 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 no. It's actually, it's actually the the long lost uh, sh- uh, sequel to Shakespeare's Love's Labor's Lost. Ah, uh, no okay. Love lost. We that uh, that's so, where we learned that the Love's Labor was actually not lost. Was actually was actually the the Love's Labor is actually the friends we made along the. Yes. <laughs> They're actually fun fact. Uh, it, because when the fuck do I ever get to talk about my special interests on this show? Uh, fun fact, there actually is a long-lost sequel to Love's Labor's Lost called mm-hmm. Love's Labor's One. That is actually a thing. Um, just I think been, I vaguely like, heard of that. Lost to uh, time. Uh, no, anyway. Uh, no no Love Lost is is when uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber had, had, the, had uh, the sequel to Phantom commissioned by yeah. that we, by uh, by a uh, thriller writer that No Love Lost was actually the un It was the working title. That was the working title of that novel. Yeah, actually. and Andrew Lloyd Webber's like, nah, Love's Labor's Lost fits better into song lyrics, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I can't quite imagine, like, a Christine actress operatically singing, no! lost mm, yeah i'm not doing yeah. it uh, continue no. on to about trope. anyway it's just such a random thing to say like where does that phrase come from but everybody says it every time there is a really intense rivalry someone on commentary has to say that there is no love lost between these two it's so fucking random and i love it uh uh sidebar uh the uh, this is true the entire adam page slash elite storyline be like what if love actually was lost that's true that's what that was uh by the way the origin of the phrase no love lost came around it started around in the late 1500s and one of the first published notes of it was by an english author named john taylor in his 1622 work travel of a 12 pence where the excerpt reads they love me not which makes them quickly spend me but there's no great love lost twixt them and me we keep asunder and so best agree what the fuck what what what, why are you trying to bring fucking uh uh like mid uh fucking mid-century literature uh and 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 uh uh iambic pentameter onto the show you're right i should we need to focus on the wrestling uh what the what the fuck what kind of what kind of loser would care about all early modern english poetry that's true um anyway so after jake and dibiase gonna go for big moves on each other each time but they they both kind of duck out of it uh dibiase rolls out of the ring and he tells slick to go to the back suspicious uh dibiase looks at the bag and he's trying to go jake to like come outside and fight him and jake does it and they fight jake knocks dibiase down but as he's doing that in comes the big boss man big boss man big boss man clocks jake in the back of the head with a yeah that's a dq all right moving on yeah uh which i was like wait big boss man is working heel did i misunderstand the timeline no, no, we talked about this last time. Is that the big boss man is a heel right now with the ball and chain, literal ball and chain, and he's with Reverend Slick. Okay, okay. We talked about that last time. I completely forgot. I'm so bad because I know like B- BBM started like heel and then he became fit, but it's still so well, like, yeah, well. You know, anyway, Big Boss Man, let's get let's let's go through it yes. anyway. Uh Big Boss Man handcuffs Jake Roberts to the ring rope while he just goes and grabs the bag. Yes. And uh, conveniently wait, stealing the, someone's personal property, that's not very lawful. Well, well hold on. Yeah. 
but it's, it's all going to make sense in a second. Yeah. Uh, they're, they, for some reason, the brother love show is just set up. So they all just go to the brother love set. Yeah. And Dibiase is like, brother love, this is another shining example of what I've said again and again and again. There is nothing in this world the million dollar man's money cannot buy. Uh, and he, I have to, I have to say, uh, as weird and random as it was that brother love was just set up on the outside, ready to go. The, the image of, of DiBiase cutting this promo, like while Jake is still like reeling in the ring and legitimately like happen. Yeah. Legitimately like kind of a cool, kind of a cool moment. I can, it was, it was a cool, it was a cool staging, cool setup. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I actually kind of got down with it. Yeah, it's just very weird that the Brother Love is show is just ready to go. Uh, but it was cool anyway. Uh, yes. So DiBiase he talks about how he pay, he bought and paid for the most beautiful title belt in the world. And he jerks off about his belt for a second. and he. Oh, j- but Jake had the gall to stick his slithering, slimy hands on his property. And so what do you do, Brother Love, when you deal with a thief? You go get the police. Well, yes, and then and, and then the police steal uh steal things from other and then people. The, That's how that works. Yeah, very unrealistic. Usually, what happens with thieves when you call the cops is they just kind of write up a report and say they'll get back to you about that, and then they <laughs> don't. So that's what should have happened, but I guess not. Damn, um, damn, true, truly. Uh, the big, the big boss man. That how how do we know that the big boss man is only a kayfabe cop because he's not following ten years of procedure? He returned. He returned. He, re- he got the stolen property back. Um, he did not have to go through the bureaucracy. So DiBiase says he went out and bought the best police protection money can buy, and boss man gets a weird look on his face when he says that part. Yeah. And B- DiBiase's like, thank you, Slick, for your services. You're well paid. And you, Big Boss Man, are well paid. And Boss Man's like, well, now what's this year about a payoff? And Slick's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you so mad, Boss Man? No, it's, there's no payoff here. Ted DiBiase is just showing his appreciation. This is the donation. <laughs> Because apparently Big Boss Man, who has otherwise just been a corrupt cop character, has has, a hang, has hang-ups about, like, being paid off as a cop. <laughs> my, my man fucking dozed off for the entirety of, like, the ethics course and basic training, except for, like, the one class that was like, hey, don't take bribes. And that's, like, the one, like, ethics thing he retained and just rolled with it. Yeah, so... <laughs> If, you know, if I had a nickel for every uh, face turn that I knew happened but was unexpectedly got to watch on this show, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's queer that it's happened twice. Wait, what was the first one? Brutus Beefcake. Oh, when fuck he became yeah. the barber. When he became the barber. Yeah, so Big Boss Man is... Like, you just told me that I was retrieving stolen property. He had heard nothing about no payoff. And now, Ted DiBiase could read the room of this situation and play it off in a way that might be beneficial to him. <laughs> he will not do that. He will instead <laughs> he will instead double down on how, yes, I paid off a cop. And as such, 
give me my goddamn belt. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the, that's the thing. Ted doesn't have any social skills. He only has money. He buys himself. Friends. Yeah, so Big Boss Man gets in his face like, nobody tells the Big Boss Man what to do. And DiBiase so, is trying to like... Slick all these years, but okay. Yeah, DiBiase is like, you're just scared of putting your hand in that bag. And Boss is like, I'm not scared of anything. And he so he puts the bag, he goes in the bag, he grabs the belt out of the bag. I wonder if goes, Damien was in that bag. He, maybe he, I kind of think he might not have been in the bag. Like, okay. I mean, we never see Damien. So like, this I totally could believe that they just like faked it and didn't actually put the snake in. There. It would have been, it would have been kind of metal if, if, if big boss man literally did just stick his hand in there with the snake. Like, yeah, you know, but pretty cool. he, 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 he's grabbed, he's got the million dollar belt and he's like, if you want it, you'll have to earn it the old fashioned way. And big boss man, you're going to have to earn it. Yeah. Which is funny to say that when, again, admittedly, DiBiase did buy this belt, but also Jake Roberts did also just steal it. So nobody here has won this belt in an actual match. Um, well, it's also it's it's also it's also funny to hear Big Boss Man say that because uh, this is also the exact same thing the IRS said to Ted Jr. about all the money he got from committing TANA fraud. <laughs> you know, uh, exact yeah. quote. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Yeah. So Big Boss Man takes the belt, puts it back in Damien's bag, and he yeah. just walks off the set and returns the bag to Jake. Yes, and then gets out the key to his handcuffs. And man, the people are going crazy for They're this. They're going nuts for this. Holy shit. They see a baby face turn when they know. They they know a baby face turn when they see one. They are yes. going wild as yeah, boss Oh man, no, I'm sure I'm sure a big sigh of relief was shared amongst the crowd that they didn't have to like contend with the with the messy thoughts that came along with uh, this very a cab heel character. Uh, for all the time they've been watching him so far, they're like, "Oh, thank God, we can we can think uncritically about him now." Yay! Yeah. So the boss man hands the key to the to Jake, so Jake can get out of the handcuffs. And DiBiase's obviously mad, and Slick is just like distraught. He's like, "What is happening? No, boss man, come back!" Aww. He's like, he's like trying to, to keep the relationship working, and oh, boss no. man just chucks Slick to the ground when he walks back to the set, and he's like, "Nobody buys me, boy," and he leaves. Uh... He was talking to DiBiase, not Slick. Okay, I was gonna say, hold up. Nah, he was calling DiBiase boy for mo okay. a lot of that promo. So, okay, gotcha. yeah, we, this is the babyface turn for the Big Boss Man. That's so wild. Yeah, Big Boss Man apparently just all of a sudden grew a set of principles. Uh, yeah, crazy. Look, I have not, like I said, I have not really seen much of Boss Man outside of this. So I don't know, like, especially heel Boss Man. I don't know, like, how exactly his crookedness was portrayed but i i i get the feeling that we had not had any hints prior that my man had particular hang-ups about uh about his ethics as a for for you know an 80s wwf no way like you know no. this is this is the land of like every all the heels are evil because evil lulls and because all the good guys like are evil. and the good guys are just good guys that's how it works because they were anointed know? by god above himself yeah, that's just how it goes. And so, Obviously. yeah, I very much also doubt that there was any, like, nuance to the big boss man's character to make this turn make sense. Yeah. But it was a really cool moment, actually, I, I think. 
Yeah, no, I I ultimately got down with it. Like this segment overall mm-hmm. worked pretty well for me. Yeah, and this is the big story beat of the show in terms yeah. of plot progression. Yeah, the, the yeah our main event tier shit, and it's uh at the halfway point. Well, Great. we gotta have we gotta have the real main event shit be you know you know who brother. Um, oh. <laughs> well, yeah, but. He's not even main event tier either. I mean, he's he's he's, he's he might as well be main event tier given the timing I, of the show here. Well, anyway. So match number five is Mike Justice versus the Canadian Earthquake, uh, which the Mike Justice this is the first time one of the jobbers got a name card. That's nice. Yeah. I was like, wait, is this an actual dude? Because he got a, like, nameplate and everything. No. Oh. No. Oh. Uh, Jesse Ventura is completely baffled that Big Boss Man would just refuse a payoff. Like, he's like, yeah. money makes the world go round. I don't see why he would turn that down. Man, I have to say, like, th- this, like, because the, the Big Boss Man turn thing, like, came out of nowhere, right? For, essentially, yes. And And, like, does... As far as we know, do we does Big Boss Man continue to play into this particular like angle afterward? Yeah, we're still this. Oh, the story, the Jake's the Jake DiBiase story continues on to Mania. Oh and shit! So, and and Boss Man's involved in it. He has his own thing, but it's related to Slick, like leaving Slick. Okay. Like that I, also carries on to Mania. I gotta say, like that's not to like not to really harp on this, but like yeah. I have to say, like. So, uh, some of these stories in like this era of the fed like like golden era and like you know even going into early new gen like i feel like a lot of these story ideas from this era all turn- could turn out to be like really compelling if uh, if applied with like i don't know like more modern and like <clears throat> AEW, NJPW, like more serious indie tier story sensibilities. Like, yeah, even like fucking it, Hogan Warrior, think, which we'll get to in a minute. Like, uh, they, they, if, if there was more, like, if basically if more nuance was allowed, we could, like, these all could be, like, great, really in a, compelling. In a, in a different era where there's trying to be more TV writing, I I think I would have really loved like a several weeks long arc here of like the boss man initially taking the payoff because he yeah. never had a problem with it before. But then like as time, as he continues to work with DiBiase, kind of being like, I don't I'm he, he becomes uncomfortable with being with being bought off like this and then that yeah, leads seriously. to him eventually being like fuck you man i'm not doing it yeah or even like even or or of- they could build on like slick leading him under pr- false pretenses about like what yeah he's here for because that well because 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 watching this because watching this and also not and also still being kind of confused as to like what role uh boss man was at this point like i i also conceived this idea as boss man is almost like an accidental heel for the first bit of his career where like he he's kind of morally neutral but he ends up getting like contracted out by he's heels, being and he's, he's being led like, astray by the by reverend slick yeah yeah and like the people that reverend slick hires him out to um mm-hmm. and it's like and he doesn't realize like the that that like he's getting these payoffs like he thinks he's mm-hmm. doing legitimately important like 
contract. Yeah, I mean, that's what that, that's like, what's happening here is that Slick didn't tell him about the payoff. He was just like, hey, man, this guy stole DiBiase's property and his sentence. Yeah, and he's duped and into he's thinking like, he's okay, doing I gotta actual do justice. Yeah. Like, we could get an insanely compelling character out of this with like slightly more modern TV writing sensibilities. Yeah, that, um, that, and again, that's, that'd be really cool. Yeah, and again, with, with Hogan Warrior, like, what I said last week, I stand by, like, it would have been even more fucking interesting if Warrior had won the Rumble. Um, mm-hmm. Like, just especially allowing... With what Ho- especially with what Hogan's promo Hogan's later. Promo, yeah, Hogan's promo feeds into, like, what would have worked about it if Warrior had won. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's all just wild. Because, again, so much of this could actually really work. Like, the, the foundations are all really solid. They, just with slightly better writing, some of this shit could like really, really with something. Cool a, with something that's really a little compelling. more that's built a little more for TV and a little less yes. basic wrestling story art storyline. A hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, this match, Mike Justice does try. He throws a couple punches. Yeah, he actually man. gets something in. Although Earthquake does not. Oh yeah, he's still still the Canadian earthquake. I yeah, that's important because we get a picture-in-picture picture promo of Earthquake and Jimmy Hart, and Jimmy Hart calls Earthquake his national disaster. Get it? Yeah, it's like natural disaster, but natural because he's the Canadian. Yeah. I, I love I love how Earthquake had a whole ass gimmick just built in upon a rival that he's this massive motherfucker, but they still just they still really they still had to add a little spice about how he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah, there still had to be that little bit of like nationalistic pandering at the start of his WWF career. They they just couldn't help themselves. Yeah. Um, so, but Earth Mike Justice dies when Earthquake sits on him. Yeah. And then oh, so something match- something I do want to something I do want to point out, uh, especially tying into the uh, promo you were mentioning from Jimmy Hart. Uh, so on commentary, it, it's Vincent Ventura again, right? Um, yeah, Vince. I think yeah. Vince and Jesse are do all the commentary the rest of the way. Yeah um vince says that uh for earth vince is marveling at earthquake and goes oh yeah the the earthquake weighs 480 something pounds and ventura just counters with depends on what he had for breakfast what okay what and then and then they do the fucking picture it's because it's because it's because he eats so much that it affects his weight that's that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying so we do the picture in picture promo jimmy hart bills earthquake at 460 pounds so i guess he must not have had breakfast by that point in the the not not a big Uh breakfast that day yes uh also i the fucking mid 2010s picture and promo picture and picture promo thing is that a fucking send up to superstars because i remember on that one fucking like smackdown episode or whatever they had that shit. And even in, like, fucking 2010's Raw, they had, like, the picture-in-picture promos to I announce for the, uh, the, the Andre the Giant. You know, considering order. we've seen it now here in Superstars and we've seen it on Glow, I think it's fair enough to think that maybe this might just be a thing of the era. That's a way fair. to kind of have these quick little tidbits without necessarily, like, cutting away from anything. But then mid-2010's was, like, homaging that shit. They were like, wait. That is a great way to have little character tidbits without cutting away from anything. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting format, and I don't, like, totally hate it. Yeah. Uh, then, after the match, Earthquake does his finishing move, squashes the big Mike Justice again. A 7.4 on the Richter scale, as Jesse Apparently. puts it. Yes. You gotta get it because earthquakes. So every time he yes. stomps around and zips well, on the Richter scale, even more get it earthquake. 
he beats up on Justice after the match is done, yeah. you know, as an aftershock. Aftershock. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then Justice yeah. fucking Mike just gets Mike just gets, gets, gets like a fucking stretcher. Off. He gets hard. <laughs> that man is deceased. Out. He All died right. that evening. It's time now. I made the decision going into this that it would be overload if I did Hulk Hogan's promos and Ultimate Warrior's promos every single time on this show. Yeah. Well. Uh, so I have only transcribed Hulk Hogan's promo this time, both because last oh. time I did the warrior and le- and also because frankly, to me, Hogan was more insane tonight. So I, I went with the crazier bl- bat shit. Warrior, warrior was also pretty insane, but he I, was, I but I would rather, I, I was more excited. I was, I was more excited for Hogan's brand of nuts. <laughs> That's that's fair. That's where this, fair. Where now, this promo goes is yes. like holy fucking shit. Yes. Um, now 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 I now I am in the process, Austin, as I as I alluded to in our messages before before we got on of developing a rating system for your performances here. We 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 here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast have noted your particular affinity for performing entire entire promos. Uh, I do from, like from doing episode. that. You do, you do like doing that, and you, and you know what? I, I am un, I am unashamed of do, of being a, a a impressions bits podcaster. Yes, yes, you uh, you're you're just here to recreate the moments, and you know what? I respect that, but I I I really think this needs to be properly commemorated. So uh, I I I I need to uh, uh, work on developing a a rating system of of performance delivery um and and uh, uh off the wall bullshit uh, um uh mm-hmm. for for all of these for all these promos because you do okay. you do tend to transcribe the the best of the best and the weirdest of oh the weirdest. i do i you gotta really excite me to get me to, to you know take the time to write up the whole promo yes yes i I think i spent like 15 minutes watching this particular promo because i kept having to pause type rewind so i can yeah i don't blame you because hogan's taking this one in a million miles a minute he does it's i could not follow him like as he was talking uh please proceed hulkamaniacs we just gotta know i just gotta find out Never before have I had my stomach twisted and turned like I've been lately. Never before have I had my, my heart eaten alive like I've got cancer in it. But now I've got to find out what really is the strongest force in the WWF. Oh yeah, man, we've had our cage rattled before and we've all were, always came out on top. But recently, Hulkamania has been rumbled like ne- I've never felt the earth shake before in my life. <laughs> In the Royal Rumble, when me and the Ultimate Warrior twisted and turned, and as we stared eye to eye, I looked to those Hulkamaniacs. I saw the millions of goosebumps. I saw the questions in their eyes. And then a week later, I got cheap-shotted, almost decapitated by what I thought was the strongest force I've ever felt. I thought, who's the strongest force? And that's when my Hulkamaniacs came to me. They said, lightning never strikes twice in the same place. It wasn't an accident. They're they're wrong. I've looked into the eyes of the warrior. I've seen the clear vision. It had to be an accident. But now we felt the force of the ultimate warrior. We just have to know we can't live with this thing. 
I've had dreams about this, Maniacs. I've had nightmares about this over and over again. I've thought about tying him up, wiping that war paint off his face just to see the kind of man he really is. But now, I can't live with it anymore. Ultimate Warrior, me and my Hulkamaniacs put the WWF Championship on the line. We challenge you, Warrior. We've got to know what the strongest forces in the WWF. And I swear, by the number one Hulkamaniac up there, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, the darkness that you press your opponents into before you beat them, if that's the same darkness that makes your soul live, if that's where your heart is at, if you ride your Harley Davidson side by side with the devil, if I find out that the power you possess comes from drinking the sweat of the devil's armpit. By God, I'll strike you down, Ultimate Warrior. What you gonna do when Hulkamania and the Ultimate Challenge destroys you? He keeps making that that question unnecessarily long every time he asks it. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So I want to break this down a little bit. So uh, first of all, I want to note it. I want to. I want to take note. Of, of of running themes in this in this promo uh hulk hogan seems for all intents and purposes quite aroused by the notion of being in the ring with the ultimate warrior the way his gut wrenches the the way his goosebumps tingle that the, there seems to be a, the 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 sheer hype that i feel from him unrivals anything i've i've seen from him before I think he might just be a little bit horny about sharing the ring with Warrior. And I feel justified in this by hearing him talk about how he dreams of tying up the Ultimate Warrior and so sensually wiping that makeup off his face. So he he not only has a general sense of arousal about this, but apparently quite kinky dreams to do with it as well. I think it, I think um, it explains how this why this takes such a god turn later. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, well, that see, ultimate that's, that's warrior is tempted him with the power yes, of the well, devil. Mea culpa. Um, uh, God apparently being the number one Hulkamania. Oh with, my like, God. That was the most insane thing that I've seen him do. In I, a bit. As somebody who was raised Catholic, you know, that is far from the worst interpretation of like the doctrine of God's love. Like, God does ostensibly love you more than anybody else. So in I mean, some ways, yes, he is the number one Hulkamaniac. I mean, um, the way I see it is Hulk rules is an album that exists. And so <laughs> yes, in that my is, mind, that is true. In, in my mind, the only way that God could ever allow such a thing to exist is if he is in fact a Hulkamaniac. Oh God. The, Oh, you know, all these, all these motherfucking godless heathens out here asking, you know, serious questions of if a, if a benevolent God exists, why does he allow such tragedy to rack the earth? It's not because there is no God. It's, it's not even because we have a malevolent God. We just have a God who's an insane Hulkamaniac. That's, (laughs) that's where we, that's obvious. God looks at evil when he says, if there is no evil then there is nothing for my Hulkamaniacs to (laughs) (laughs) 
God, God lets other people suffer because nobody ain't nobody putting over uh by by the grace of God, Hulk Hogan ain't putting nobody over at the end of the day. The 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 long the John when writing the book of Revelations <laughs> forgot to transcribe this important line when it came to the final battle between God and Satan. That's and not Hulk- gonna work for me, brother. <laughs> And it, and here comes out of nowhere Hulk Hogan with the save. Oh, he's hitting the leg drop on Lucifer himself. The power of Hulkamania was so strong that John did not know how to pro- mentally process. It's like looking in the face of an angel. Yeah, you, <laughs> Therefore, you, think, you think biblical angels are, are hard to witness? Imagine staring straight in the face of pure Hulkamania, brother. That's actually why angels look so bizarre is because they are powered purely by the power of Hulkamania. <laughs> Honestly, true. Where is the lie? Uh, so, so yes, running themes of intense sexuality and ju- just a little bit of religious trauma and guilt stuffed down deep in there. And as for your performance, my friend, uh, uh, top, top notch stuff. Uh, your, your, your Hogan is a pretty, is a pretty solid impression Overall, I also actually have to give you uh, kudos for making this promo actually like uh, understandable to me. Uh, so, so top tier uh, diction and enunciation <laughs> as well, uh, which tried. is more than I can say for the Hulkamaniac himself. You know, true, truly, uh, truly, like really high levels of understandability in your words. So, with the the sheer professional grade diction. Uh, along with all of the themes of the promo, I give your performance here uh, an uh, erotic audiobook out of ten. Thank you, thank you. You're very, you're uh, very welcome. So, what a, what a success after a successful performance, and also adding to our lore about Hulkamania. Uh, if if you recall, of course, that we previously established the the Hogan, the Hulkamaniac, similar to the Hitler Youth, and his <laughs> yes. death cult. I think that fits in. That slides in quite nicely to our Absolutely. interpretation of God actually being the number one Hulkamaniac. It's all coming together, brother. The prophet Hulk Hogan. <laughs> nobody, nobody is allowed to portray his visage. <laughs> oh, I think we never see any drawings of Hulk Hogan anywhere, brother. Oh, brother. When I get to heaven, dude, I'm going to get them 77 virgins, brother. <laughs> as long as long all, as it, and they're all somehow and they're all somehow going to be married to Bubba the Love Sponge, dude. Oh, brother. At least at least one of those virgins is going to be my daughter, dude, if I may if I have anything to say about that, brother. <laughs> Would, but she's also going to be married to Bubba, dude. And then I'll go on his radio show after and apologize. Oh my god, the Bubba Bubba the Love Sponge show from heaven. heaven. (laughs) It's rebranded a little. He's now he's now Bubba the Angel Sponge. Oh boy. Okay. So my thoughts on this program. Um, <laughs> God, I don't know. Let's. I mean, 
he, within three lines, he talks about his heart being eaten alive like he's got cancer. Um, <laughs> they really are leaning into the strongest force in the WWF. Um, yeah. It's interesting that Hogan speaks in we. Well, uh, yeah, again, the, the, the Hulkamania death cult. Yeah, of course. They you are know, all the, of one mind. One Father word. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Father Hogan. To his Daddy, Hogan. if you will. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, da, da, da. He saw <sighs> millions of goosebumps in the in the Hulkamaniacs. Um, I love that he, he describes the Ultimate Warrior clotheslining him as he was almost decapitated. Um. Yeah, I don't recall that, but I also just have a bad memory for for random ass spots, so it could have happened. It's just a clothesline, really. Uh, okay. And then he's like, then and then the he he actually the Hulkamaniacs are trying to sell him. It's interesting that like they are trying to sell everyone, but Hogan is like, dude, he att- attacked you intentionally, and Hogan's like, nah, man, he's I know him. He didn't do that. He's he ain't fuck with me. Yeah, but again, like. They're both faces here, aren't they? Yeah. They're okay. trying to they're trying to toe that line of like yeah. they're both faces. We want them both to stay faces, but we still want there to be a story to this, really. Yeah. Something that res- that that resembles dramatic tension. Yeah. Um without making any either of them morally culpable. Right. Uh <clears throat> the dreams nightmares thing um interesting uh yeah and then somewhere in here and i don't really get how he got from a to b on this is of course <laughs> the god thing because he's like we ch- i want to know if you're who is the strongest force in the wwf i've looked in your eyes and he seems he, he implies hogan the warrior is like a respectable person and then yeah. like a and then he, and then he swears by the number one Hulkamaniac up there. He's like, if I find out that Hulk, the darkness, and suddenly the warrior has darkness. That's new. No one has ever yeah, said yeah. that before. But apparently the warrior has darkness. And if that, and it's because he's of the devil, then Hogan is going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, we like just... a holy night of the Lord. <laughs> Hulk Hogan is going to kill the Ultimate Warrior. A crusade, if you will. He's going to crusade the Warrior. <laughs> Hogan be like, Dave's vault, brother. No. So, extremely fun promo to listen to. Even more fun to read out and yeah. try to recreate this nonsense. That was insane. I'll be honest. Uh, I, it, I want to talk about lines I had trouble understanding and correctly uh getting i had to rewind a couple on for a couple of lines here um the strongest not that that not that one uh the hulkamania has been rumbled like i've never felt the earth shake before in my life that feels like he forgot a couple of words in that sentence (laughs) and i wasn't sure that's what he said but it is hulkamania equals the earth come on now and it did take me a second to figure out if you ride your Harley Davidson side by side with the devil, um, what even? And if the power that you possess from drinking the sweat of the devil's armpit. Okie dokie. Great, great. What does guy. that even mean? 
Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Hogan does that, and then we go to the warrior, and immediately it starts. And, and I, 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 okay, I need to, I need to take note of something. So warrior starts with his back to the camera, and then he turns around while he's going, and and then as he continues to cut the promo, he has multiple times where he does like full one eighties and three sixties and delivers parts of the promo. His back like turned once again to the camera for like decent periods of time. And I'm like, warrior, what the fuck are you doing? This is not theater in the round. Um, But, but like he then like, he has a line toward the end. I think about like Hogan turning his back on him or something like that he said that like, hogan would net he wouldn't come from behind like the other he wouldn't would. he wouldn't come from behind and i'm like wait the fuck a minute is warrior actually doing a motif here i think a little bit i think a little bit he's kind of i didn't there realize symbolism of that i didn't realize he him, could do that that him giving his back to hogan knowing that hogan would never come at him from behind yeah so like that was weirdly smart. Uh, I also have to give Warrior credit where credit is due on the fact that, like, the promo actually starts off, like, somewhat coherent and comprehensible. Does it? And Okay, I thought so, because he talks about this force field around Hulk Hogan, and it does kind of make sense, and even serves that's as... Called, that's, called create, that's called creative control, brother. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the fucking even if not completely intentionally ser- serves as like a, a, a great little, like a meta comment about Hogan being politically protected backstage. Uh, so it starts off like actually intelligible because it responds a little bit to Hogan's pro. Then it talks about this force field that warriors trying to like discover. Now, admittedly, to, like, trying ad- to research. Now, before and then he it gets falls to the, the force. Well, before he gets to the force field thing, he says he speaks to Hogan because he has caused interference in my pathways as I try to communicate with my warriors, my gods. What? Whoa! I did miss that part. The warriors. So, so wait a minute. So, on one hand, we have Hogan having the number one Hulkamaniac be the Christian god. Uh, meanwhile, poly- warriors over warriors here. Warriors a polytheist. Me- hugely polytheist. Uh, all of well, like polytheist, like personal deity uh uh fuck i don't know what the term is but like but like no actually if you're a fan of his you are a god um all of you are god you're a god to him you're a god to him you ultimate warrior worships at the altar of you yes you personally watching this right now yeah yeah yes why Uh, are you running away this isn't creepy he also like Kind of also still sounding coherent, though. After he talks about the force field thing, he's trying to understand. He said he's never tried to understand the obstacles before him before. All he wanted to do was to end battles before they became wars. Ooh. I like But at the Royal Rumble, he he knew that Hogan wouldn't come from behind like the others. Mm -hmm. Now, I admittedly could only barely understand the warrior and also wanted to not spend after spending 15 minutes writing out Hulk Hogan's promo. I admittedly didn't want to pause and stop anything the warrior was talking about. So I don't have great notes for like the insane half 
of the promo. You might have to take over on that one. I I didn't get like great notes on the insane half, mostly because I thought you were you said you were going to transcribe it. Um, um, but like, yeah, he he's just like he's just kind of like going off. He um, talks about how he has the warriors hang off of his body. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. So he put where it really lost me was the reason he puts these colors on his body and on his face is for all of his warriors. So all of his warriors can hang off of them. What is what is that? Is that I hope that's a metaphor. Otherwise, I don't think what And, and, and where did the where did the talk of the colors come from in the first place? Why are you talking about it? Like, why do they need an origin story? It like half feels like he's responding to Hogan, but also he doesn't respond to Hogan's accusation that you might be satanic. So <laughs> I don't know if you know, I'm supposed to think he's responding to Hogan or not. And yeah, more important, and more and importantly, I, 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 Warrior I also ends the promo challenging Hogan to the ultimate challenge. Ultimate challenge, which Hogan already named, and Ho- and Warrior mm-hmm. says ultimate challenge as if it's like a brand new concept off the top of his head. But you know, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, wait, okay. And and my note at the end of this was just uh um oh uh fuck it was so stupid. Why am I actually excited? That is the power of the warrior. Yeah, because like it was it it got dumb, but I still like in I still felt a visceral hype deep within me as this promo went on. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I would yeah. agree. I'm a warrior too. Yeah, the warrior said he need not come from behind or take a cheap shot at anyone. Hinting, yeah. referencing these, you know, these events that have happened for between them the last couple of weeks. That he will, but Hogan will only be approached by the warrior face to face. I do I, and he like roll, and his eyes like kind of get a little cross-eyed for a second. Yeah, as he says this, and then yeah, he also lays out the ultimate challenge. Hogan yes. versus Warrior. Um hype yeah. ass promos for sure, even if completely batshit. <laughs> even if fueled by the power of pure meth. Hmm. Actually, no, for them it'd probably be cocaine. Even if fueled by the power of pure cocaine. I don't know, it could be both. Um could be both. at the same time. <laughs> It's cocaine cut with meth. <laughs> and just a little bit of anabolic steroids. Yes, of course. And after that, we just cut to the last match of the show, the Powers yeah, which of Pain. Powers of Pain versus... Butch okay, Stanley did, and Chris Walker. <laughs> did their team have a name? I thought I caught something, but no, I wasn't sure. they're just sure. jobbers. Okay. Yeah, I just had Powers of Pain versus some motherfuckers. I thought I caught a name, but and I thought I'd written it down, but I guess I didn't. No, they just have um, a name graphic, so that's how I know what their names are. Okay, so while this match is going on, it doesn't matter, and commentary knows this. So they're talking about the Hogan Warrior promo. Um, I don't think I don't think that I wrote down a single note of anything that actually happened in the match. I did not either. It was just more murderizing by by the super. Yeah, the the rockers get in a picture and picture promo. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the, the rocks are, rockers are out here trying to issue a, a challenge to the powers of pain, and I feel like it should be Woo, noted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I feel like it should be noted the powers of pain are kind of like pushed to be legitimately intimidating. Uh, now, 
whether or not they, they are, they are the most they are the most road warriors at home that the yes, WWF has. They are supposed to be the crazy, scary heels. And the Rockers issue their little picture in picture challenge, um, and 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 uh, put a little button on it uh, with their little coordinated woo at the end with their fists up. Oh, ve- very yeah. intimidating. Like I'm the, sure. Like the, I'm sure the the the. I'm sure the fucking. Uh, 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 powers of pain are quaking in their boots. Like the, they're, they're, you don't get much more white meat baby face than what the rockers are right now. Yes. They are just like, yeah, we're going to go out there and show them that we're the best. Woo. Uh, At least they're talented in the ring. They are. Uh, Uh, yeah. Sean hasn't learned yet that being a cocky asshole will be better for his career. And Marty Jannetty hasn't yet learned how cocaine will ruin his life. (laughs) Um, Also like, wow, Sean's voice sounds like normal. Yeah. Also, I just learned by the way that like, as part of that, I have, I have now learned where Sean got his lazy eye. Oh, um, it was on a mat. It was. It had to have been related to the to some arc we were recently talking about or doing that made me ask about this. But oh, that's right. I was. Uh, oh, that's it. I was watching a wrestling with regret video talking. Oh. He talked about uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kane on pay-per-view that was literally the night before Kane would turn babyface as part of the Kane Lita arc that we've talked about oh, a plenty here. Yes. And in that match, Kane hit Shawn Michaels in the right way that gave him his lazy eye. Oh shit. That's wild. so that's kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, that was all the way in like 2005. Uh I just thought of that. I just, real, I just, I just remember that I just recently learned like how Sean got the lazy eye. <laughs> Fair enough. God damn. Um, but yeah. So on commentary, Vince and Jesse are still talking about the the, the Hogan and Warrior promos, and Jesse says essentially that Hogan and Warrior are all talk and no guts. Um, and how mm-hmm. this is all just a bunch of hooey, whatever. There's not nothing's gonna come of it. They're too chicken shit, whatever. And uh, Vince is talking about. Well, uh, Vince goes like, "Well, that's a good point, Jesse. Something, something. They'll want to protect themselves." And then he pauses for a second, realizes what the fuck he just says, and goes, "Actually, that's a lousy point." <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I what I mean to say is, is yes. no, that match will definitely happen. Will definitely be happening. Yeah, no, I will. I, I want us to start using that now as like an insult. Like someone someone shares an idea and or or shares a thought, and I go, "Oh well, that's a great point." Actually, that's a lousy point, and then just move on. Yeah, it was. First of all, I don't really get, I get that Jesse is a heel commentator and has to just yes. say shit. Um, just, Jesse Ventura especially will just say shit. It it. It's weird to me, though, because uh, it feels like, especially with Jesse, Bobby Heenan is absolutely more in the vein of, like, I will say literally anything because I am a delusional heel. Jesse always gets this reputation, and it's usually deserved, of being a more reasonable heel commentator in the sense of, like, he he says more things that are, like, 
you get it from a certain point of view. Like he's come, instead of being like a delusional jackass who has to frame everything the bad guys do as definitely right and everything the good guy the good guys do is definitely wrong. He still kind of goes for that, but it comes from this angle of like having this perspective as a person that you just kind of assume bad intent in bad and yes. other in good people. Um, and that's how it worked with these malfunctiony bits that we've had with Hogan and Warrior. He is he has assumed mali- malicious intent when and the story is that there isn't really or, yeah. or it's ambiguous at best. It, and, yeah. And he is like, no, they did that on purpose. Um, This feels weird, though, because like there's absolutely nothing that you could latch on to either Hogan or Warrior to suggest them as cowards. Yeah. Well, again, he just says shit. Like mm-hmm. it, that, like I, I've just kind of come to expect uh, of this generation, and hell, for just a lot of WWE fucking heel commentating before I don't know, like the current era. Um, God, gosh, built- I don't know because Corey Graves can go into that, can get into that kind of tropiness too. Really? Because I, I feel like I feel like I feel like they're a lot better about like calling with level heads but just kind of like siding with with like heel mentalities yeah like like or like basically like acknowledging it's cheating but thinking that's fine yeah uh, uh or you have someone like taz on AEW who is like a heel in that like he's buddies with mjf and sometimes will be like well yeah that's just what you gotta do i mean i ain't nothing wrong with it but then also like when fucking hook turns heel and beats up on his son uh he does it he he's also like gravely concerned about his son and not just siding so like and 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 also will still call matches like really evenly so like i feel like nowadays that sensibility has died down a lot it's definitely lessened the idea of like we gotta play cartoony like but for a long time even into the 2000s wwf because law because of law yeah, well, a lot of that is Lawler proudly, bravely carrying on the tradition. <laughs> but there is a sense, I've just gotten used to the sensibility of if they're the heel commentator, they will just say whatever deranged shit crossed their mind and try to, like, pass it off as intellectual honesty. Yeah, so weird. Uh, yeah. The Powers, they win the match. I wrote Sean Mooney, finally! As we yeah, Sean, get this finally. and then and then I suddenly long for his segments to get cut again because Sean Mooney's like announcing the fucking uh upcoming like show. He and is the not a, he's not that one. interesting of a guy. It is. No. It sounds like he's reading off a weather forecast. Yeah, uh, I didn't bother to write down any of that part, but I did yeah, take no. mild notes on the two promos we got advertising I did upcoming that, yeah. live event matches. First, we get Rick Rude versus Roddy Piper in a cage match coming up. Yes, and and and, and, and we have and we have Roddy Piper behind a like behind steel cage. Bar they love doing that. Reason. They love doing uh, that. Yes. For cage match in, in, ca- in case in case your ears don't work and you don't and you didn't just hear what type of match this would be, just here's a visual representation. So Roddy just goes nuts. Uh, the highlight of which being at one point, he just starts singing the Batman theme. Yeah. And, and he says, Rick rude is too, is ugly enough to be a bat. Yes. 
Just thank, thank you, Roddy. But at some Great. point, it's it's crazy. At some point, he just jumps in. Na 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 na. Yeah, I don't even fucking remember how he segued into that. That that shit moved no. a million miles a minute. Um, Classic. And Piper. then we. We're uh, building up we, to Macho King Randy Savage versus Dustin Macho Rhodes King. at a yeah. So we so we get Macho King and Sherry in a promo, and Sherry the entire time is pacing back <laughs> and Macho King is saying stuff. I honestly um, didn't pay attention to anything. Macho I King I well, again million miles a minute deranged bullshit. I lost all of it at uh, one but point. What though, I did catch is when yeah what I. Is when he turns this into Sherry, he yes. just stops on a dime abruptly. Like, hey, you say something, oh, say something. And Sherry's what? like, and, and Sherry, yeah, Sherry goes, What? Say something steps- about Sa- Sapphire right now. And Sherry's like, Oh, Sapphire, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna be on you like black on an inner tube. Oh. Okay. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's like on a bike, like on a bike. Oh, wheel. okay. Uh, but also interesting wheel. choice of metaphor, um, considering Starfire, Starfire, Sapphire is a black woman. Thank you for that. No, th- um, yeah, Starfire is orange. Thank you. Yes, th- thank you. Um, um, I, I will say, uh, uh, Sherry says uh, that Sapphire is gonna be hers. Happy Pride. Hmm. Uh, hey. <laughs> this is all okay. Sherry, Sherry Sapphire. It's all just nagging. Yeah, true, true. This, Sher, Sherry's Sherry's Sherry a, a is, studied pickup artist. Sherry is coping and seething about and how dilating. much she wants true. to get with Sapphire. So she's like, "Yeah, well, you're a peasant and ugly and stupid and fat, and she'll <laughs> be mine." <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, and then, but that is that. And then we get an advertisement from Vince for next week's episode. The big thing is the powers of pain versus demolition is the yeah, feature. So demolition also is feuding with powers of pain. Is this like, are we angling for like a three-way tag bout here? No, I think, I think, I think they're just using demolition as a way to get to powers versus rockers. Like, I don't think, and I think they're using the former Fuji connection to have, like, it means something. But oh, I don't okay. think we're building to Demolition versus Powers versus Rockers. Damn, that'd be cool. Nobody knew I'm what three ways were yet. It's 1990. I mean, well, depends on where in the world you are. Uh, ECW, ECW invented and, po- I think, maybe invented, but definitely popularized three-way matches in oh, wrestling. Shit. Yeah, the Damn. three-way well, that, dance. I, Oh, I did not know that, but that's sick. Yeah, so the only thing of note I took here is of Demolition Smash calling Fuji Fuji the Stooge. Thank you. And then the last thing we get on the broadcast is that next week they will announce the main event for WrestleMania 6. God, I wonder what that is being. I have no, I'm sure nobody could take any guesses as to what that would be. To be fair, like, we are in an era where all the most important matches end up on live shows. So, like, you would be forgiven if you thought that Hogan Warrior might end up happening on a major live event. On a fucking house show, yeah. On, On, like, a Madison Square Garden show, not WrestleMania. That especially is because, especially because, inter- was Hogan, especially because 
they were also building perfect and Hogan. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and they hadn't really resolved warrior Dino Bravo. Not really. And oh, then shit. And war and warriors intercontinental champion. So the, the idea of like, well, both guys have to be on the show in separate matches because they're both champions. Like, oh, I think you, I think you could be forgiven for not assuming Hogan Warrior is going to be where they're going with wrestling. You know what? I, I rescind my sarcasm then. That's actually kind of clever. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Now, obviously, well, yes, we I, I, know what they did. Yes. Well, but... No, no, no. I, I look forward to finding out what this very mysterious WrestleMania 6 match is going of to be. Of course. Who, what, who, what could it be? What I could be no the, the Sky Dome? The Sky... The, the, the Dome of the Sky. The... The Dome of the People. They chose the name anyway. They did. We're doing this match for you people anyway. Yeah, so fun episode of Superstars for an episode of Superstars. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. I didn't, I wasn't in immense pain while watching it. Yeah, I mean, the matches are at least quick, uh, if if nothing else. Yes. And uh, uh, the Hogan Warrior Dell promo was uh, iconic in how insane it is. And how deeply fucked up it was. And we had a, had a heck of a story segment with the Boss Man stuff. Yeah, uh, that was actually kind of compelling, I will say. Yeah. So overall, going to give it a thumbs up for an episode of Superstars. Uh, but we will be back soon to continue this arc. Uh, but for next time, we instead return to Lucha Underground. Fucking finally! It feels like it's been forever. It's been a while, especially because you've had you know, we t- you you took like a month hiatus here because uh, yeah, seriously. Like, I, yeah, I checked last time we recorded this arc was like two months ago. Um, oh, baby. So Ray Phoenix is now the Gift of the Gods champion. Uh yes uh i don't think anything else really happened on the last show so i'm just gonna go with that let's talk about as as the rain i mean mil muertes oh no mil muertes is healed and he is gonna fight and he is gonna take on both puma and pentagon at the same time gaga oh yeah this this crazy zombie motherfucker is gonna test out his reheal. He's gotta prove that he is still the baddest dude around. So he's gonna beat up two guys at once to prove it. Rip in fucking peace. Yeah, so that is what is upcoming for us on Lucha Underground. Should be exciting as always as we inch closer to Aztec Warfare 2. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. But until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. Dear friends, thank you all for joining us on yet another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you here. Uh, Returning listeners, viewers, what have you, you know the drill. Thank you all so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever it is you use to consume our content. We're just so happy to have you here. You know this. Uh, But hey, new people. Hey, hi, how's it going? Welcome to the show. We here at the News and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both news and knockouts alike. So whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all the weird bullshit, either way, we are delighted to have you here. We hope you've enjoyed your time here. Uh, We hope you want to keep enjoying your time here week after week after week. And I'm going to tell you exactly all the ways you can do so just to make sure you're fully up to date on all that good shit. So, of course, 
Uh, first and foremost, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode. Uh, check out all of our playlists. Austin has been kind enough to organize all of the storylines that we follow into their own separate playlists so you can follow something all the way down without having to skip around a whole lot. It's great. You know, give us that sweet, sweet comment, like, all that stuff, engagement. You're so inclined. Helps us out a lot. Um, And, yeah, just generally enjoy the video version of this show. You can see our uh, beautiful, sexy-looking HUD and our beautiful, sexy-looking faces and, you know, uh, just, just, uh, how Austin contorts himself to do these crazy ass impressions week after week. Uh, great times to had by to be had by all, um, uh, over on, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was imbued by the spirit. I was possessed by the spirit of Hulkamania tonight. <laughs> the, the spirit, the spirit of Hulk Hogan, who is still very much alive. It just transferred into your body briefly. Uh, yeah, very somewhere brief. Hulk Hogan went comatose for like two minutes. Um, no, um, uh, so yes, enjoy all of that on the YouTube with the video component. But of course, if you're a fan of the audio only experience, we suppose we understand that as well. We have you covered on those fronts. You can find the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on three of the best places to find your audio only podcast, which would be Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Give us a listen there. Download our show so you can listen to us offline. Uh, you know, if you're if you're so inclined, maybe give us some nice little ratings and reviews. You know, especially some good ones if you're really inclined uh let people know hey these guys are pretty cool and you know maybe more people should be listening to them i don't fucking know i'm just spit, spitballing off the top of my head here uh, uh but all that good stuff over on the uh the audio only side as well spotify google Podcasts, and apple Podcasts, so you can listen to the noobs and knockout uh of course on top of that we exist past this little void we find ourselves in week after week we, uh, we have a little bit of social media presence. Of course, you can find us on Twitter. We are at Noobs and Noxpod on Twitter. That's at Noobs, the letter N, Noxpod on Twitter. Come check us out there. Uh, we post memes. We engage in discourse. We put up a post every single time we drop a brand new episode. All the responsible things that, you know, good uh, 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 media managed social media uh, should do. Uh, of course, on top of all of that, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We are watching and live tweeting about AEW Dynamite on TBS and talking all about that shit. Additionally to that, uh, when we when we have time, we, do, we just tweet about all the fucking AEW. Uh, when we're able to, on, uh, on Saturday nights, at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern on TNT, we are watching what else? AEW Rampage. It is the show that y'all been waiting on uh, and ta- and talking about that. And then on top of that, because it's a crazy motherfucking time in in the in the history of wrestling, on Saturday nights at 8 p.m., uh, it is we are watching. Fighting that I hear. It, it, I was I was I was about to get there. Yes, uh, uh, we are we are watching AEW uh, Collision on TNT. It is the night that's all right for fighting. It's the night that's that's all right uh, for for brawling. It's the night that's all right for CM Punk to actually be around the company. Um, uh, um, get a little action here, uh, and so you know we we like to cover as much of that as possible. We are we are an uh, an AEW household, unabashedly so. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, but on top of all of that, uh, you know, I I Austin and I tend to split the duties on that one. But Austin really really likes to cover. Uh, all of the major company pay-per-views. He watches all of them. He'll sometimes live tweet about them. And we like to tell all you motherfuckers about it 
because uh, they're they're just great, uh, especially if you are uh, of the noobish persuasion. Uh, uh, pay-per-views are just a great little jumping on point in a lot of ways. You're almost guaranteed to get some like top-notch banger matches. Storylines are wrapping up. New ones are beginning. It's just a great like spectacle entryway for for those who are who are just finding their footing in the wrestling world. So my friend, for for all those uh, to be informed, what is on the docket uh, coming up? Right. So for Impact Wrestling is the mm-hmm. next up here. As ah. on July fifteenth, it is Slammiversary, their twenty first anniversary. Uh, for Impact Wrestling. Crazy to think it's still here. Ooh. Uh, it's my favorite weekly wrestling uh, product, Arena. Uh, I, I got to be that guy who's like, uh, Impact Wrestling. Hipster. Is I am is hipster as hell to be an Impact simp in 2023. And I will proudly wear that honor. Uh, uh, to watch Impact Wrestling on a weekly basis, boy, you got to go hunting for this. Uh, you can <laughs> find it on Axis TV if you know where that is, and you probably don't. Uh, it's high up there in the cable packages channels. Uh, however, Impact Wrestling is very kind. They understand that who watches Axis except no one. Um that if you on there you can get a youtube subscription to their channel but a dollar a month that's all uh very low cost relatively speaking here uh you can get every single episode of impact a commercial free every week basically at 8 30 p.m eastern normally it airs like on access at 8 p.m eastern you know regular tv 8 to 10 but you get it it starts at 8 30 so a little bit later but you get it commercial free Ooh. Uh, see, and then you're as caught up by the end, the math checks out. Yes. And then for Slammiversary, uh, the, you know, that's a pay-per-view event. You can get it wherever pay-per-views are sold or on Fight TV. Ah. Uh, next week, is, you know, it's July 15th. So next episode, uh, we I will be covering more of the matches on the on this show. Uh, for next up for WWE is is SummerSlam. Uh we are recording this before Money in the Bank, but we will be releasing after Money in the Bank. So, uh, the next pay-per-view upcoming for WWE taking place in Detroit, Michigan at Ford Field. Oh, yes. That's going to be in D-Town, and I will not be going. A is SummerSlam. Uh, obviously, as Money in the Bank hasn't even happened yet at time of recording this episode, I got nothing for you. <laughs> But that's yeah, August we, we 5th. No you know, for WWE, you can watch uh, every week on f- Monday nights is Monday Night Raw uh, at, at 8 o'clock on USA Network. And uh, SmackDown's on Friday nights at 8 o'clock on Fox. Um, there is a technical brand split, though it is a little loosier, goosier than it might sound like it is yes but generally you could probably get away with only watching one or either uh, one or the other show a week if you're a little intimidated by suddenly having five hours of tv a week the sheer watch. volume i mean we just talked about AEW and, they're more having, inter- and, and, and dynamite and collision is more interconnected than raw and smackdown at this point uh oh, wwe is the more accessible product no that's always been true. Um, 
WWE, the pay-per-view to watch SummerSlam, they are off the pay-per-view market. They have been for a decade now. They are full in on streaming only, buddy. And you can do that. The Plez are now all on uh, Peacock, the NBC Universal streaming service. You can watch them live on that. And then for AEW, we are just coming off of Forbidden Door. Forbidden door. And boy, they got two goddamn big shows at once. So, on August 27th, live at Wembley Stadium in London. Yes, that Wait, is that all? I I thought it was, I thought that was, oh, fuck. Oh, no. Sorry, go on, go on, go on. In. Yes. uh, On August 27th. Uh, that is, you know, we have already sold, they're sold like nearly 70,000 tickets at this point. It is insane. It is the largest paid attendance for a wrestling event since WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. And they, you can't reach that because Dallas was over a hundred K I think. Um, either way, this is insanely large crowd. The mat, who knows people are fantasy booking a lot about what kind of matches are they're going to put on this Wembley show. Where can we watch it? We don't actually know yet, which means it's probably not traditional pay-per-view, but beyond that, we don't have an idea. Uh, then, but a week later, six, uh, how many days are in August? Uh, yep. A week later on September 3rd in Chicago, again, is, uh, all out. Uh, one of AEW's traditional four pay-per-views a year. Uh, that will be available on regular wherever pay-per-views are sold or uh, Bleacher Report if you're in the, in the U.S. You Fight, T- Fight TV if you are international if or you are international. Interna- if you are not in the U.S. Yes. <laughs> All that. So, I have, so when we get around to it, I'm going to have to talk up two AEW pay-per-views at once because they're basically happening at the same time. Awesome. You know what you got to do? You got to go for beating the Excalibur record. Absolutely not. Not doing Uh, that. Coward. Coward. I can't talk that fast. I can't talk that fast. I'm not a fast talker. Uh, Has Weird Al's hardware store taught you nothing? Yeah, it's taught me I can't do that shit. Um, (laughs) But that is all the upcoming pay-per-views for the big three American companies outstanding yeah be sure to check out all that good shit folks like we said for the noobs amongst you those pay-per-views are just a great way a great great place to kind of hop on check it out you know we'd like to tell you the deets of the law of the of the regular shows as well all that good stuff and you know we we tweet about as much of this shit as we can if you for some reason like listening to us ramble about wrestling for hours on end you'll like it over on the twitter the voices carry over uh, we're we're pretty fucking funny guys, if I do say so myself. People do not give us the credit we, that we deserve, uh, and I'm goddamn tired of it personally. Uh, so so come over to the to the tweeter and uh, and tell us how amazing and perfectly funny we are. Uh, sorry, I'm just kidding. I'm not that conceited. Please don't hate us. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so on top of that, if you want to get more in dir- uh, in more direct and long form contact with us. We have an email address. You can find us noobs and knockoutspod at gmail.com. Uh, uh, you can come say hi to us there. Tell us what you think about the show. Request things you want to see us cover on the show. Uh, start discourse with us about, you know, how fucking uh, based in red pillar hot takes are if you just think we're a bunch of idiots. Either way, just 
just talk to us, make conversation, make jokes, make requests, whatever. Come say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockouts pod at gmail.com. And of course, finally, we are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. Shout out to friend of the show as a sugar daddy, Kyle Smith, for his monthly contribution. You're the best, buddy. We love you. We hope you enjoy your perks. If you want to hop on those perks along with our boy Kyle, you know where to find us. Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Patreon. The link, you can find that, is in our Twitter. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.